Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Welcome to episode 215 of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, Very excited for today's uh, guest. I've known this guy for many, many years. I was lucky enough to uh, play for him, coach with him, and then spectate for many years on the sideline. But uh, my guest today is Rob McAuliffe. He is, uh, first and foremost, the elementary principal at Shea Z uh, Central Rural School, um, and is also the head boys soccer coach at the same school at Shea Z. Been doing it. I didn't, I'm probably dating you here, Rob, but 27 years, 27 years coaching 26 as, uh, like a teacher slash principal at Shazy. Um, so I first want to give credit to Lee Barcombe cause I are not, um, yeah, Lee yeah. yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I, I always just say Lee. So Lee Barcombe, he gave me a bunch of stats. Some of these I was familiar with. It's been a few years since I've been like part of the coaching. So with kids of my own, I, I've lose touch of, uh, I guess how the numbers have stacked up, knowing they're obviously going well in Chasey's favor. But um, I don't even know if you know some of these stats, so probably I, I'll not. probably read some off to you later. Yeah. But I do have a lot of questions um, for you. But first off, this is your first podcast. Yes. And, uh, you know, this this was something I, I, I think I reached out to you. We kind of joking out in the hallway, but I reached out to you probably two, three years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you said if I bought you T-shirts for the team, this was yeah. the way of repaying me. So yeah. I think that's an awesome trade, fair trade. But um, I want to kind of start off um, where, you know, you're the elementary principal. Mm-hmm. Give us kind of some background. Like you're, you've been Shazy, born and yeah. bred your whole yeah. life. Um, kind of give us a little background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So, um, you know, not to get too, too far back, but my mom and dad, uh, my mom was from is from Moores, New York, and my dad was from Hoosick Falls, uh, down near Albany, and um, you know they met at Plattsburgh State, you know, and um, we first actually, believe it or not, I lived in Beekman Town on the Ron and Kathy Road. Probably don't, probably people don't know that road. And as a little kid, went to Beekman Town for like the first few months of kindergarten. A lot of people okay. know that, yeah. And then uh, my parents. Bought a house um, in Shazy on the Minor Farm Road, not too far from the actual Minor Farm, and uh, grew up there. <clears throat> you know, went to school in Shazy, graduated in 1990, and uh, off to college and played soccer in college. And uh, you know, found a way to be an assistant coach at uh, at Shazy for one fall when I was done college and getting my master's degree, and then uh, the hook was was uh, embedded at that point of coaching. So I, I want to go back into, and this, again, we're talking, you know, this is many years now that you've been associated with just mm-hmm. the school of Shazy. Um, and obviously soccer, did you start playing soccer just, at, I mean, as a kid, just growing up, just part of this like town program, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, in Shazy, soccer was always important. And, um, my buddies and I all loved the sport and we're playing it. And, and, you know, and not much different than it is today. A lot of young, you know, like I was a young kid who idolized the varsity players and, 
you know, saw them do really well in 1984 when they went to the Final Four. And just, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. And all my, my, my high school buddies, my well, elementary school buddies at the time did. And, um, you know, just was so excited to be a part of it. And so um, actually when I was a kid, I played a lot of hockey, believe it or not. And hockey was really kind of the sport I played the most as a young kid. Um, almost went to St. John's when I was like in eighth grade to go continue playing hockey because we didn't have the merger like the kids do now with Shazy and Beekman Town. So, um, so I almost, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that it was, I almost went a completely different path and would have <laughs> went to St. John's, played hockey, and then... Which I know. think would have totally, <clears throat> your life had been totally different. Yes, absolutely. You know, and so, um, but in some ways people always ask me, how come you didn't go? And a lot of it was, you know, George Brenler was an important part of my life and, you know, soccer was important to the community and all my friends were, you know, in, into it as well too. And so I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And, uh, you know, played high school, got into junior high, high school and played soccer and loved it all with, with George. And then I was one of the, the few lucky guys who can say I had George Brenler for a bunch of years as a head coach. And then I had my senior year, Tom Tregan as a head coach. So lucky guy for me. I was going to say not, not many guys or, or classes probably could say that two or three times. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you got in, uh, with Shazy and again, I, I've had Mr. Brenler on here before and, uh, you know, I, I think same thing, like having known known him but not really knowing him and he opened up a lot and especially about yeah. his like upbringing and, yeah you know he came, yeah i listened to that europe. podcast that was great yeah he came from europe and he, he was uh you know still very sharp and still mm-hmm. um good with the storytelling and everything but when he came in you know you kind of look at numbers and stuff and he he basically said like they started out they weren't a great um you know they, they didn't start out winning they started out mm-hmm. they had some team you know he had to really kind of um work their way up and eventually they found success so when you came in in like the 80s and kind of mm-hmm. well, you know obviously Mr. Brenner was the coach for four of your years what was the culture of Shazy soccer at that point I mean they came off of a good season in 84 mm-hmm. was it still you know that that high level yeah I, he was you know I, I can never say enough great things about George Brenner and you know I I think you know at his time coaching he he really knew a lot about the game and knew a lot more about the game than a lot of other people in the North Country did. And he was a, st- a student of the game. I think he was someone who I, I was always impressed by him is that he was trying to always make himself better, to make the team better by his knowledge of understanding things and reading things and going to clinics. He would do all these things to make himself, with the game itself, more knowledgeable and, and, a, and a better coach. Um but I think what a lot of players would say about him, and I don't mean this as a negative way, is that <clears throat> what made him a great coach was not just really his knowledge of the game. You know, he he had a way of making you want to play for him and not to disappoint him. And he was a real motivator. Um, you know, he could he could really make players want to play hard, and he um, was a very detailed guy. One of the things I always I always look at everyone I. I'm around all the time and I try to take things from people that make myself a better person. And what George did was he taught me the importance of details. Like every, every little thing matters, you know, every little thing of preparing yourself for a game or preparing your team. Um, those things really matter prepare in practice. Details matter. Uh, little things matter. And, and so he, and I, and, and I, and it's funny, I would talk to players of mine and not so much players, I'm sorry, former teammates of mine. 
and they would say the same thing like you know george really made me realize the importance of pre- preparation in detail and um but you know he he just was a great motivator um you know just uh someone that i think all of us looked up to as a, as a coach yeah and i and again, having never played for him, I think I think that's one of the things that you and we'll, we'll talk about this more as we go along. But I think you were someone that always um, emphasized the alumni, emphasized the, the you know, one. Of the, I mean, the model of Shazy is that we're the past and the present. Uh, yeah, I guess form the future. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Um, so it was kind of the idea. I think we took that in for soccer too. And like you knew who Coach Brendler was. He went yeah. to majority of the games, and um, you, you just had that background. And obviously now the boys play in the field that's named after him. So I think having that. Um, and then kind of, I think this is one of the, you know, again, we'll, we'll t- I'm sure talk more about this, mm-hmm. but the reason I think Shazy has had such a, a pretty long history is that it seems like they recruit their own into the yeah. system. And I yeah. think that that was always something, um, like I had played for you and I remember you calling me up and, uh, it was kind of a surreal moment because you put so much, um, you know, Shazy soccer was such a big portion of all of our you know, upbringing and yeah. when you're a kid and when you played and everything else. And when you kind of, when you graduate, it's like a piece that never leaves you, but it's mm-hmm. also a piece that you, you wish was still there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think getting, being lucky enough to get called back to help coach. Um, and I know some of the boys that have been called up, um, after me to do the same thing. It's like, they're all Shazy guys. And, yeah. you know, for, I would say it's very rare if you have someone that's not on the coaching staff from Shazy. there's a couple here and there, yeah. but, yeah. um, I think the idea of, we understand the culture, we understand, um, whether it's the details, whether it's, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is you just, you grow up and it's like ingrained in you and it's mm-hmm. hard to describe. But if you, I think if you played at Shazy and you played for you or coach Brendler or coach Tregan, mm-hmm. you know what that, like that thing is, but you just, it's hard to explain, but you just have it. And I think yeah. that's, um, I don't know. It's just something that I think, you know, in talking to many guys since it's just like, yeah, Shazy soccer, you just had something that it's, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, why I yeah. think that they, we've had the success and, um, year over year, I mean, I, one of the stats I'll throw out, and this is one of the most, there's a lot of great stats here, but 27 years of coaching and you've won 24 league titles, which I don't mm-hmm. think, um, when you th- really think about that, like I played basketball and I played baseball all throughout. We never won a league title. We won sectionals in basketball one year. Yeah. We never won a league title. And then to look at a lot of schools around the area that have very good sports and are known for a sport, known for say football or basketball, but they don't win the league every year. So yeah. to see this year over year over year, and it's kind of the point where people are like, it's like you know, the, the Yankees of the, you know, the early uh, 1900s and you know, the, or the Canadians, like they just win. Yeah. Um, but I don't think people realize how much effort goes into keeping that excellence up. And um, I guess, so before diving back into that, what was your biggest memory from, you know, a player at Shazy personally, or, you know, you said the kind of what the culture was under coach Brendler, but what do you, what's your fondest memories from, you know, the late eighties? Wow. Um, you know, I was on some great teams. I think, you know, not to go through year by year, but I was lucky enough to play varsity in eighth grade and we had an okay team. We weren't great. Didn't really do too much. I mean, we, we won a bunch, a lot of games. We never won a championship or anything like that. In ninth grade, um, <clears throat> I started to you know play quite a bit, and and um, we went, we won the league championship, we won the sectional championship, went to state playoffs, and lost to New York Military Academy. Whom uh, do you know who the most famous graduate is? I don't. No. It's uh, Donald Trump. Really? Of New York Military Academy. Okay. Yep. And so we, he did not play that day. No. Just uh, if you're wondering, <laughs> um, but. 
So we lost and it was heartbreaking. And I, what I remember about that was how great a team where we had like the flu hit our team. We just, it was not to make excuses, but we were just honestly a lot of sick kids on the team that day. And we lost in a close one, like three, two. And I remember thinking, I'm a freshman. We have a good team coming up, really good team coming up in the next few years. I'm clearly going to get back here again. And sure enough, in 10th grade, we got upset in sectionals. And in 11th grade, we got ups- upset in sectionals. And so, unfortunately, some of my, my memories, that's just, I think in some ways, and that's how coaching coaches are. Like, you think of the losses more than you think of the wins. Like, that stuck with me, that um, things are not guaranteed, you know. And then in my 12th grade year, that clearly was not the best team I played on. Clearly not. We had lost huge amounts of players. Uh, the year before, and sure enough, what do we do? Win a league championship, win a sectional championship, and we lost in the state playoffs, but, you know, uh, got a lot more success. So um, <clears throat> great memories with playing with um, some great players. Um, you know, P.J. Gondek, who went on, who's now the head coach at Fredonia. Um, Chris Kielman, who went and played at St. Lawrence um, for four years. Kip Ladd, who um, was our goalie, played at St. Lawrence for two, three years, then transferred to Clarkson and went to the national semifinals. Oh, wow. Uh, Division three national semifinals as a, their goalie. Um, so just some great players. Um, uh, but, it, you know, that, you know, great, great times I had, you know, some of the, and when we all get together, all my high school buddies together, of course, what do we talk about? The games that we played and the ones we won, the ones we lost. But, um, you know, when I look back at my high school time playing, it did kind of lay the groundwork for me as a coach too. You know, I think when I played, I looked at, you know, whether it was George or Tom Tregan, like what are they doing? Would I do the same thing? And it wasn't like a critical thing that I thought they were doing something wrong, but I think I was just kind of who I was, you know, and I looked at things and said, you know, would I do that? Was that, do I think that's the right thing for the team? And it was just a, you know, I was just a kid, but I think I looked at things that way. And I think, when I and I don't I didn't recognize at the time, but now I look back and I say how important those years were for me of winning and losing. Um, so, so, um, so when you went, so you, you left and obviously you took some of that with you. You went to. Um, I want you to just talk about college real quick, yeah. and I'll come back to mm-hmm. a couple of things you just mentioned. So college, you ended up going and playing four years, right? In college? Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of take it away from there. Well, I actually went to um, a two-year school first, went to Mohawk Valley Community College in Utica and played there and, you know, had some success. And then um, I went to Oneonta State for my final two years to play, which was at the time Division One. Now it's they moved to Division Three. Um, it, great experiences um, at Mohawk. It was some great competition at the, the junior college level at that time. Uh, probably still is, but, um, and played against a lot of, you know, high level division, soon to be division one players. Um, and then when I went to Oneonta, you know, that was great. Most of my team were, were Jamaican, but, um, that, which was an, ex- which was new, you know, an experience for me in, in a great way, great guys, but coming from Shazy, I know there's Jamaican, a Jamaican, uh, influence in Shazy too, but, um, you know, and that was a great place to play. Coach, the coaching turnover a little bit at Oneonta, which was a little tough, um, but played against some great competition, great guys, still some lasting friendships. But I think what I gained from my high, my college years was also similar that 
I was always putting on the hat of what are, what would I do? And as like many people in all kind of businesses that I learned a lot from my good coaches and I learned a, a lot from my bad coaches. And I did have some that weren't as good in, in college. And, and I learned, I'm like, I would never do that. I would never do this or I would do that. And I think, um, I think I was fortunate enough to always have that mindset as a young kid of looking at people and saying, what can I take from them? You know, what can I take from that person and use that as a, to make myself better and what things would I not do? And so my college career was, was great. I mean, I did well. Um, but you know, I don't look back at those days and, and say, you know, um, that I was like an amazing player. I did very, very well, but, um, I just, I really enjoyed them. And I think I learned a lot, which as a, but prepared me for life after that. So, um, how did you get back to Shay Z? So, that, yeah, that's a great story. So, graduation from Oneonta, really didn't know what I wanted to do. I <laughs> always in my head wanted to be a teacher, but so many of my relatives, my dad, uh, so many relatives were teachers. And I said, I want to do something different. I want to do something different. So, I was very close to moving to Washington, D.C. with, as you yeah, know, Laura LaFave and yeah. uh, Chris Kuhlman. I was really into politics, loved politics. <clears throat> thought about it, graduated from Oneonta. Um, you'll, a lot of people don't know this one about me. So I went to Union College for my master's uh, in hospital administration. Hospital? Uh, yes. Why, I don't know. Um, <laughs> some people, friends were saying, listen, this is, you, you know, you would, you'd be good at it. Uh, they're hiring people like right out of, you know, you would be, you know, just you'd be good at it, you'd, you know, all that, blah, blah, blah. So I went to it in like, Halfway through semester, I'm like this is not for me. So I had a, I had a um, an advisor at Union, and I said to him, he goes, "So what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, I, I've always really wanted, at the end of the day, become a teacher." He goes, "Why are you here then?" I said, "Well, I don't know. I just got to finish." And he goes, "No, no, you finish the semester and get out." He goes, "I'm telling you, don't don't find don't, just don't force this because you've started this process to now." Complete it. No, get out and try to get your, um, your teaching degree. Simultaneously, at that same time, I I asked Tom Tree. I helped Tom Trigan during that summer, okay, with like the summer league team, and like fell in love with it. So that fall, while I was at Union, I was constantly getting in my car, driving to Shazy after a class to go to a game to help coach. Sometimes driving back that night to Union. Because I, I said, can I help coach during the fall when I'm free? He's like, yeah, sure. And unions, for people don't know, it's in Albany. Yes, yeah, connected yeah. kind of area. Yeah. And so I, I was, you know, you talk about all these moments in life where like, you know, you're yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, why in the road here, right? And so I said to Tom, I said, you know, as long as you're okay with me coming whenever I'm free, I'll, I'll come as much as I can. And so it was halfway through that season and about halfway through my semester. And I said, I think this is for me. I, I, I love doing this. I don't know why I've been denying myself this opportunity to become a teacher. I don't know why I thought it was some sort of like poor choice in life. Um, I felt it was almost like the reason why I think I almost felt it was like the easy choice. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, my parents, you know, my relatives, everyone's doing teaching. I'm just going to do it too. And so I think it took me, you know, some different paths to say, wait, this is for me. And um, I went, I'll never forget, I went into Tom Trigan's office and said, 
I just want you to know I'm going to drop out of union after the semester is over and I'm going to go to Plattsburgh State to get my master's in, in teaching. And, he, and Tom Brandell was sitting in the room with him. And Tom, Tom Tregan kind of laughed and snickered and looked at Tom Brandell. And I said, what's so funny? They said, we're just kind of waiting for you to kind of, that this to happen. You know, we all kind of knew that this was probably going to end up happening for you, that you would realize that you need to become a teacher. And, and, um, and so, so be it. And um, I finished the rest of that season as an assistant coach with Tom when I could. And, and then he shocked us all by a few months later saying that he was going to take a job in Plattsburgh um, as a phys ed teacher. He went to St. John's, right? He, uh, he, Tom originally taught at St. John's, then came to Shazy in the fall, the fall of 89. And then in the spring of 96, he left for Plattsburgh um, Middle School, middle school, high school to become uh, phys ed, uh, mostly in the pool. So, so you came back and what was your first step? Because you got your master's degree at Plattsburgh. Yeah. Did you teach? Was it just Shazy or did you? Uh, yeah. So then um, I got my, I was working on my master's degree when I first started coaching in 96. You know, so I was just. And you were assistant at that point? 95, I was assistant. Okay. Oh, so maybe my times are off here, right? Yeah, maybe I'm off a little bit. But yeah, so no, no, sorry. Tom left in the um, spring of 96. And so that spring, there was also no head coach. And so I was still doing my master's at that time. You know, they gave me the job as just a coach. So I was still finishing my master's and all that. Um, you know, 24 years old, you know, coaching 18-year-olds. Um, and I got, and then I got a job at Chasey the following year in 97. So you've always been at Chasey? Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, never really wanted to be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Once I decided I wanted to become a teacher, there was really nowhere else I was going to be. Even though when I did my student, te- I did my student teaching down in Warrensburg. Yeah, you know where that is the burgers. And, yeah, and so I did it down there, which was a great experience. A couple great guys. Uh, I lived way out in the middle of nowhere, little 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 town called Thurman, New York. Population probably about fifty. Uh, and I lived out there, um, deep in the woods for that that semester. And um, it was, you know, when I was finishing up and. Um, so I enjoyed it there, but people said, you know, you'll be happy anywhere you get, a, you know, if you get a teaching job anywhere, you would enjoy, it, which I probably would have. I think I would have, you know, because I love kids and love being in schools. But I kind of was holding out to see if I could find a way to get into Shazy because I just knew it was, you know, the place I wanted to be. And so I, they hired me as a special ed teacher mm-hmm. for a handful of years um, there, which I enjoyed, but it wasn't you know, what I was really trained in uh, necessarily or what I wanted to do. Um, and then um, in a few years after that, um, Gary Southworth, who um, just passed away, you know, yeah. a couple months ago, a handful of months ago, um, he retired and then they hired me for the social studies position. So um, when I was, so well, for teaching purposes, I remember having you, I think like seventh grade when I went up and it was, yes. Cause the bubble class, you we were a bubble the, class. Yeah. So they needed an extra person to teach seventh and eighth and, grade. And, uh, it was weird at the time because one of my, you know, prior, it was, I was the same as you when you're a little kid, you, you know, Shazy mm-hmm. soccer's a big deal. You grow up going to the games. Yeah. 
I don't remember um, George and Tom were before my memory. So yeah. like, I only remember you coaching and I remember, you know, like at the time, you, I know kind of, you're probably like mid, like you said, mid twenties, late twenties, yeah. but in my eyes of like, Oh, that's the head coach and the team was good. And, um, you know, you were, my memory serves me, you know, you were very, uh, you know, authoritative on the, on the sidelines <laughs> yeah. and stuff. You're, you're into the game. <laughs> nice and, way to say it. Oh, and yeah. you were like a little, you know, a little kid yeah, looking sure. at the sky. And sure. I just remember one of my first memories. And I remember going to some games at Seton. I remember a, a goal. Um, we were talking about before we got on the podcast, Matt Devin scored yeah. from basically half field. Yeah. I, I was standing exactly there. He was. Yeah. I was, if he was at the door, I was right here. Like he yeah. was right. I was right on the fence line at Seton, um, kicking at Elm street. Yes. And, uh, so I remember that, but then I also remember when you guys went to the state championship in 19, was it 99? Yeah. I remember, yeah, it was 99. I was in fourth grade and I remember sitting there at our lockers and over the intercom came, you know, the, uh, it was probably Linda Martin or someone yeah. like that gets on the intercom and like, just the boys won, whatever. And I remember everybody in the, the hallways just screaming, kids were taking their yeah. uh, like ski pants and swooping yeah. around like this. <laughs> we're all like little kids. So yeah. You know, that was kind of like my memory. So going into seventh grade and then having you as like the teacher as a bubble, because you weren't, we weren't supposed to have you until we were yeah, 11th like, juniors. Or 12th, yeah. And uh, I remember walking in and we were like intimidated, like, oh my God, like this is the, <laughs> like, you know, because you're also seventh grade, you're, sure. going, you're moving yeah, up. Yeah, you're scared anyway. Watch Shay Z, you're moving yeah. up to the big part of the school. And, uh, you know, I remember going in and one of the things that really stuck out was, and I had you for, th- well, I had you seventh and I had you 11th and I had you in 12th. And the one thing that stuck out, your, your knowledge of history, but I loved history, and I think it started with you with yeah. the storytelling. And yeah. I think and I know you attributed a lot to um, uh, Daryl LaFleche, yeah, um, and, and probably uh, Gary Southworth too. I didn't have him, but I had mm-hmm. I did have I was lucky enough to have Mister LaFleche. Um, but I just remember like the stories, and I remember like you just put everybody at ease. And I think there's what people. I think it's funny when now being the elementary principal, people see you as soccer and you have a certain intensity level, but then, you know, when you get into the school system and you're in, you know, and you're just Mr. McAuliffe yeah. who's our teacher, yeah. um, you know, you, you do things similar, but there's a lot of difference. And I think that, you know, people, especially at that age, you do, we just like, well, he's a really good teacher, you know, and cause we always go in like, here's a soccer coach. Yeah, and yeah. then you realize like, Oh, he's a teacher and he's a good dude. He's and got multiple levels. He does. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he, you can, you can bottle up what you need to for yeah. different things. And then I remember getting into junior and senior year. Um, and the same thing was just like, you know, advancing the level of history and, and the stories and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, at that point playing for you, but then also having you in class and during season and everything else. But I felt, I always felt you were the same person, but we also felt you had like a little bit of a different tone on both of them sure. in, a, in a good yeah. way meaning like yeah. you know we carried off the respect for you into the classroom um but i also felt that we could you know there was certain you were a little bit we i don't want to say easier going but i feel like when we went to soccer it felt more like we have stuff to take care of we got business yeah. in this classroom we did too but in the classroom it wasn't like there's no clock there's no time there's no opponent yeah. it's like you the student your the curriculum and i felt yeah. that you always made it very easy for you know, especially the boys that played for you to go in, do their work, but then, you know, two hours later, go out in the soccer field and then you're yelling at us and, and <laughs> for some, you know, some yeah. bonehead play that we made, yeah. but yet you walk off the field and you're like, you know, some, anything else, you know, and I think yeah. that your, um, your ability to kind of connect with all the students at a very, um, you know, an age that a lot of us need that connection and we're, you know, the kids are, you're changing and you're a young adult and mm-hmm. you're trying to figure stuff out. And I think being able to have, you know, a mentor both in the classroom and on the field, um, I, I don't, 
I think there's something to be said by that because you kind of have the, we knew you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We didn't, you know, some coaches that go in, like when I was coaching, I wasn't a teacher. I went in, kids didn't have me during the day, had me at teaching. And I think being able to have you, being able to have you after class, and I think, you know, traveling with you or doing whatever, we just felt like, you know, you were like a rock. You were, you were someone that we could, you know, we were just comfortable. Like, you know, Mr. McCall was with us. It doesn't really matter. And I don't. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, I, I, I loved teaching. You know, a lot of people ask me, how come you left? Like, you know, to go become a principal. Like, I didn't leave it because I didn't love it. I loved it. And I always joked that Kevin Mulligan asked me to, to think about getting into administration years ago. And I said, that will never happen, Kevin. I can promise you. you can write the, that's the right side of it. You can promise, I can promise you this. You can write it down. I will never. Did he cash in on that one? I told him, I said, I can't believe you, don't, you, know, you haven't thrown that back in my face. But <laughs> I think um, I, I did love teaching. I didn't leave it because I didn't love it. Um, you know, the storytelling, I think I got a lot of that from my father, learning how to tell a story. He was a great storyteller. Um, yeah. yeah, probably the best. Yeah. And so I, I learned a lot from listening to him on, you know, and I learned a lot like about history from him. And I also grew up in a time period where there was one TV in the house and whatever your father put on it, that's what you watched. Like Walter Cronkite? Yeah. So when I was in fifth grade, I couldn't understand why you know, people in my class didn't know that George Schultz was the secretary of state. I'm like, this is, this is bizarre. Why doesn't people not know this? I didn't realize that I was the only child in fifth grade who was watching, you know, three news broadcasts a night and documentaries at nighttime. Cause that's my father watched. I didn't know any better. Um, and so I think, you know, that I was, that helped me, you know, learn how to tell a story. Um, the details of stories and the, the the way you tell them and how you lead the the kids to the what you need them to know. But um, yeah, I loved every day in the classroom. You know, uh, I just I remember thinking, I still say this to this day because I love my job right now. It's just different. You mm-hmm. know, um, I really am blessed for what I have and what I did have. Um, you know, I, I tell kids all the time like money is important. It is and. But at the same point, you know, I said, I always say, think about me every morning when I wake up. Yeah, believe me, if there was a snow day, I wouldn't be crying in my pillow. But when I wake up, I know that life is pretty good. Mm -hmm. My job is, I love my job. And I said, and they pay me for that. I said, you know, again, I'm not saying money's not important. You have, money is important. But I always tell kids like how important it is to find something that you like doing. And uh, I just feel blessed that when I, was teaching you and everyone every day I went to class when you know you guys came in I enjoyed like I enjoyed your company do you know I enjoyed being around kids I you know I I love kids to this day I'm not certainly the guy who says well kids nowadays children are different nowadays that doesn't mean they're necessarily worse I think children nowadays are different than they were 20 30 years ago they're much better at things than we were I want to say we, I was as a kid. Um, and there may be worse at other things, you know? Um, but I, I loved my days as, as teaching and in history class. And, and it was difficult for me to make the decision to become a, a principal. It was, it was not easy, but I think what over, over, overrode my love of teaching was the fact that I knew I had faith in myself that I could do good things for our school. Um, 
And that's really the main reason why I did it, that I felt I could make the place a better place. Well, I think you, um, as, as you go up a level, you have more of an impact on more people. So I think even though it might not be as direct, it's still, you know, your decisions, whether it be a classroom <clears> to now it's the whole school, well, I mean, it's the elementary, yeah. but you know, you sure. still play a part yeah, in you the play school a small part, yeah. to begin with. So in all in the same building, which is a unique yeah. thing about Shazy, um, and I think a small school that, you know, people... You know, sometimes I say, well, Shazie's small. And I'm like, it is. And I said, we might not have all the fancy clubs and things like that. But I said, you you do know everybody. And I said, you end up becoming a big family at Shazie. And I think mm-hmm. um, one of the things, you know, I mean, I still, my memories of Shazie, it's funny. I have almost no memory of college. But I think it was just overshadowed because we just love Shazie so yeah. much. And I think and I think that's, you know, a lot of, you know, I know you're very close with the high school buddies. And there's yeah. a few guys that are, um, I know are the same. But you know, I just I always felt that you know Shazy in, in my family's had a long history in the Shazy mm-hmm. system. You know, and I think um, you know it's just it's just, it was just something about Shazy that's tough to replicate. And I think that yeah. you know you moving up at a level, knowing that you can have a greater impact, I think is is beneficial. Might think, take you away from the stories in the classroom. Yeah, but it's still, you know what's funny? I think one of the things, if I'd say the one thing that Shazy the school taught me was accepting of everybody i think when you grow up in a school that has 15 boys in your grade mm. i found that i was forced i'm not saying i may not have done it on my own but on a much much bigger school so let's say a huge school like a shenandoah or something like that mm-hmm. i probably would have hung out with a lot of kids exactly like me yeah you know exactly yeah. like me and i found that in shazy there was only 14 or 15 other boys in the class. Not that I wouldn't associate with the girls either, but I found that I, I learned to like all different types of people and yeah. learn that there was a lot of great things from people who did not look like me, who did not have a, maybe a, an exact same background or did not play sports like I did or were successful at sports. Or I, I learned to really find, that's what Shazy gave me, you know, learn to find the, the the nice and the great things about different types of people i remember my senior year as you get going but i think your senior year didn't realize like this is the like the last rodeo mm-hmm. kind of thing the the closeness i felt with other students in the class that it's funny i, I well since kindergarten most of them you know at that point was our 13th year together and i felt it was like the first time that I really truly got to know, um, not that I didn't know him, we were in class, but I felt mm-hmm. like there was an even bigger connection in our senior year where, like you said, kids that didn't play sports, kids that were maybe not in all the functions I did or I yeah. didn't see them outside, we became really good friends. And maybe it was just more free time during the day between study halls and things like that. But yeah. I agree. I had a, I, I have very fond memories of my senior year, but not, you know, not just the guys I played sports with, but, mm-hmm. you know, guys and gals that were just, you know, even to this day, if I run into him, I'd be pumped to see him. Or, you know, yeah. now, nowadays you have some friends that live all over the world and, you know, you connect on Facebook and stuff. But it's great to see, you know, them doing well. And, and you know, if you can, you know, now now I'm getting to the point where they're all getting married and having kids. So it's like, yeah. you know, you just see that extra layer, um, you know, kind of blossom. But um, no, I agree. Shazy, for what, what it's worth, I mean, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. I'm, yeah. I'm bummed we're not in the district right now. My, yeah. my wife's, a, she's tough. <laughs> Tough one to crack on that one, but uh, if if I had to pick, that would be yeah. that would be my place. But uh, so um, you got into coaching um, in 1996. Yeah, you said 24 years old. Yes, yeah, starting off was 24, and, and Tom Brandell was was doing it with me. Uh, you know, was uh, also involved, and he 
a great guy there too. You know, I can't say enough about Tom. He was with me for the first, uh, two, one to two years. And, um, you know, great guy too. You know, he's a principal at Northeastern, um, you know, great guy. Yeah. So 96, uh, you know, talk about these big kind of like, you put asterisks. I always say like, you know, you have, you have your timeline of life and there's little asterisks you put next to certain moments. And so in 96, you're talking about, you know, coaching, you know, timeline, like, uh, we had a good team. We lost in, we won the league, uh, lost in the sectional, um, finals in a shootout. And I always say like, if I had to pick moments of my coaching career that, you know, stick out when we lost and we were like turning, you know, we missed a PK, you know, I turned around and looked at my team and that's the devastation they had. And I were thinking to myself, <clears throat> I am going to work as hard as I can to prevent these moments from occurring. And so like that, that loss in 96 really set me on a whole nother path where, you know, as they say in England, I had the bit in my mouth. Like I was determined to, you know, to win every game we played. Well, do, do you think that was more defining than your losses in high school? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I think I saw like kids I cared about, like devastated. Mm -hmm. And I was like, now, now look out. And I had set a goal for myself too when I took the job that we'd make the final four my first five years and make, win a state championship my first 10. So in my head, I was mm -hmm. like, now look out. And I was going to, I was where, determined. Where were those, where did those goals come from? Just my own. I knew what I could, I felt like I could accomplish. And I know, and sometimes this stuff, this stuff comes across as, you know, pompous, but it just, you know, who, who I was and am. And, and so I was determined, like, I think I can do this. And so first five years we're going to the final four and first in the first 10, we're winning one. And, um, <clears throat> so the next year, 97, which was a good team, but you know, wasn't sure, you know, it was going to be how good we could be. And, you know, sure enough, we, you know, we do well, win the league, win the sectionals. But back then you had to win two games, to get to the, to the final four. And we, um, you know, won them both in close games. One of them being against Lisbon where they were probably better than us. We won two nothing at Seton Catholic and we pretty much packed it in for like 35 minutes once we went up to nothing and just held on and um and then one a few days later against i think it was new lebanon from albany and to make it to the final four for the first time and so that was you know a big moment for our community because it had not happened in you know 13 years and you know we were um it felt like you know 13 years in high school terms is oh my God, you know just 100 and so for us to do it in 97 was just such a huge deal. We went um, down to um, was that uh, the snow game. Yeah, the Buffalo area. And we were supposed to play at 10 in the morning. Well, back up the night before we practiced, the day before we practiced, beautiful, beautiful out, probably 45 degrees and just perfect sun. I woke up at 3 in the morning. There was two feet of snow outside and so uh that was back in the days you played on friday and saturday and every school in the whole you know western part of new york was closed and so 
and, you know, free cell phones. So I'm sitting in my hotel room, not sure what's going to happen. We put my team on the bus at, at like 830 to drive to the field because no one told us any different. And I heard some guy walk in the hotel when I was like the entire team's on the bus. And I hear some guy go, yeah, they're, you know, moving games. So finally I got a hold of someone. And they moved our game from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. Oh, and we played 30 minute halves and it snowed so hard that they had uh, volunteers who were shoveling the sidelines continuously through the game. They would just move the shovels off and the, the snow banks on the end lines and sidelines were right to the side of the field. Are, are these, and I've seen some photos and some were recently circulated. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Was that from the game? You guys had the white and um, green, like almost like windbreaker jackets? Yes. And Tim Mulligan was assistant? Yep. Okay. And you're still wearing shorts? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So, um, and, and that game, who'd you play that game? Uh, that was Hamilton. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the first time at Hamilton, you know, and they had some good players and they beat us, uh, was it one nothing? And But they were better. They were better. And actually one of the goals, it might have been two, but uh, Jason Fenner had a goal kick. He took it, slipped, because there was probably a good four to five inches on the field itself. During the game, he took the goal kick, slipped. The ball went right to a kid about 22 yards out. He took it, took one touch, and finished it, and that was that. Um, So that was 97. So what was Mm -hmm. your, I guess, mindset leaving that? Because you obviously had success. I mean, that's the farthest we had been in 13 years and and arguably one of the furthest in the area for Mm -hmm. Section 7 at the time. So what is... Um, what was like the mindset going into 1998? Did you have like a chip on your, not say chip on your shoulder, but you had set, you had like raised the bar up now. So was that the new expectation every year? Kind of, I was kind of pushing that bar for our, the the kids to believe that they could do this every time. I think one of the, you know, not to sound like Ted Lasso here, believe, but you watch that. I do. That's a great series. I do. It's hard not to. Yeah. It's a awesome series. But, um, that I, I, I jokingly say sometimes that. You know, sometimes I've had teams where, and I always joke to people, I say, joke with your dad, like, you know, don't tell them they're not that good. They all think they're good. You know, we wanted to get to the point where every time we played, we felt that we were going to win and that we could do, we could do it. It, Even getting to the final four that year in 97, it felt like a pretty big lift to get the belief that we could win it all. I felt like that was a, a tougher you know, getting there seemed like we had won the championship, which I even said to myself in 97 when we made it there that this will be the last year that I wanted to be like, we did it mm-hmm. because then you're satisfied with, with that. And then your players will play that way. So in 98, 99, my job was to not allow them to believe that just getting there was okay. And of course it's okay, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. um, <clears throat> And so 98, we um, made it to the state quarterfinals, lost to a good Edwards Knox team, which, by the way, historical fact, the last time second 10 has beaten us, 1998. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, beaten our, our, our team. Yep, no, I understand, yeah. So tough team, but they were good. And then 99, of course, we make it to the Final Four in, in Marist, um, you know, in Poughkeepsie. And we win the semifinal game against Fillmore mm-hmm. and Kevin Ryan scoring a great goal. Mm-hmm. John Frederick scoring a great goal. 
and then um, <clears throat> losing in a heartbreaker in the state finals. So we had made it to the state finals in 99, went ahead, won nothing, thinking maybe this is it. Is that Faith Heritage? Faith Heritage. Faith Heritage is a private school in Syracuse, and they had uh, two or three really you know, big-time players and um, went ahead, you know, won nothing. They tied it. We had a chance to go ahead late with a PK, missed it, and then they scored with not that many much time left to go ahead 2-1 two, two, and just couldn't do it. So what was the uh, – I, I my uh... – my grandparents for the longest time had this photo and you know, you get the family photos all scattered yeah. around and there's a great photo of Kevin in that game. You guys were in red, uh, red, you were in green shorts, uh, white tops and he's going up and he's heading the ball. Yeah. And of course, Kevin was a you know fantastic player. Yeah, he he's, was. he's up in the air heading his hair is kind of like all flowing it up. And, um, and I mean, he's, his hips basically at the guy's head next to him. Yeah. And I just remember it was like such a cool photo, but yeah. I looked at that. Kevin for, was a great player for years, but what was like, so what was the feeling after, you know, after that, having gone to the state championship game, I mean, you know, it, it was crushing because we were that close, you know, and, and it was it was also a changing moment, too, because you realize that we could do it. You know, you're you were right there and, you you know, the team, it wasn't like some team that was way better than us and we were out of our league, mm-hmm. which you could argue in 97. We kind of felt that way. Um, so, yeah, 99 comes. It's depressing that we didn't win it, but it's another step you know, and what I think we can, we can do and go win one. And I think that was also a changing point for a lot of people too, because again, like I saw that we, you know, could have easily happened. Um, you know, 2000, um, you know, we win, we go to the final four, we play a great team from Syracuse area. Um, that was, you know, another private school, Manuos Pebble Hill, private school there, uh, D one players on it, you know, they beat us two nothing. They went on to win the next day, like easily too. That was another thing though. But at, at, much as I was crushed by that, you looked at it and say we were probably the second best team in the state. You know, even though we lost in the semifinals. Um, two thousand one, we get upset. You know, in the yeah, I remember that game. sectional semifinals. That was crushing. Um, you know, two thousand two, not a strong team. I always remember them. How great they were as a team and. Uh, lost a lot of players, made it to the Final Four. I mean, they were overachieving every game they won, practically. 2003, though, was another, you know, game changer. That's when we were lost in the state semifinals to Edmonston, and they were in overtime, sudden death overtime, and again had a PK to win it, missed it. Um, that was the only time in 2003. I remember going home. Uh, my wife and I had just got married a few months before that, and... I said to my wife, the only time I say my moment of weakness, I said, I'm not sure it's ever going to happen Wow. to win it. I'm not sure it's ever going to happen. Because uh, in 03, it felt like, and of course, we, we were way better than Edmonston that day, just could not find a goal. They went on the next day and won easily, like 3 nothing. So it was crushing to know that we were that much better than everyone there and still didn't win it. And so that was the only moment where I said, maybe this isn't going to happen. I, uh, so at the time, cause this was like 2003, I was in junior high and I, you know, I think I was, I remember the 2000, if it's the year I'm thinking, no, maybe I'm wrong. Was that the year you guys did had to have the playing game up in Saranac? Was that the year? Remember it was, it was so No, cold. that was 2002. So the year prior, okay. So I, well, I think if you're thinking of the right one, we had a couple cold ones in Saranac. Yeah, it was a, it was like a play-in one. I think it might have been against like 
Oh, it might have been E Town. No, yeah, that was a. Uh, it was like a, a weird game. Two thousand two was like we tied for like the league league, you know, yeah. to advance the NBAC championship. So we had to, we each beat each other. So we had to play another game. Yeah, and I just remember that was so it was like oh wet brutally brutal. Um, one of the coldest games I've been a part of was that one. And uh, so I remember like that time period. And again, this was when I was a kid, and you were just like looking up to the team. And at this point, like you started to know some of the players that were on the team. Yeah. Like you know, at the time, like Justin Seymour was young, and you yeah. know, and um, I don't know if Lewis, yeah, Lewis would have been on that team. Like tr- mm-hmm. the, the guys that you kind of knew a little bit because yeah. I was starting to get up in age. Um, and it, that was where it felt like we go every, like every year. Yeah. I use that loosely, but it felt like we were going consistently, mm-hmm. which we were. And it's like you just can't win, can't win, can't win. And it was like the monkeys on your back, and it just felt like. This, you know, kind of like you said, like it's just, like this insurmountable yeah. mountain to climb. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I guess one of my questions is: so, the next year, obviously, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was your thought going into two thousand four? Because from my memory, two thousand three was a very good team. It was very good team, you know, and that's that was oh three was a team that when I looked at us on paper said. We're gonna be tough to beat. That was like Josh Frederick, yeah. Joe Lauren, Jeff Krywanzik, like yeah. Pat Bailey. I just remember Whole like a squad players. on that team. Yeah, yeah. great players. Uh, yeah, the 3 team was just loaded, and I think that's what you know. If there's one team that I've had that deserved to win one who didn't, that's that's one. And I still to this day it bothers me that Josh Frederick and Pat Bailey and Joe Lauren and Jeff, Jeff. Krywanzik and go on don't have a ring. That kind of still irks yeah. me. Those guys, went, again, we, we uh, growing up, like, I mean, Jeff at that point had played five years as goalie. Yeah. So, like, he's the original goalie that, and, you know, and I've, I don't know Jeff well, but I've met him a few times at, like, alumni games and stuff. And um, But you look at, like, you know, Josh Fredericks and these guys that were just, for me, growing up, guys you kind of idolize. And I, yeah. I go back as far as, like, Matt Devins, you know, Adam Trombley, like, those guys that, mm-hmm. you know, those years that I can remember as, like, you know, obviously my cousin or Kevin, these, like, when you're young, a young kid, these are the guys you idolize. So to go yeah. up there and to kind of look back on, I'm like, man, those guys were so good. Yeah, they were. So, and I think it goes to show, like, how yeah, just Kevin how, Ryan deserves a state championship too. Yeah, and just like how tough it is to win it because, um, so, so 2004, mm-hmm. you go in like what? Because my memory of the team, I think I was on JV at the time. My my memory of that team was they. There's some very good players, but mm-hmm. I don't think they ever stood out as like this powerhouse team. Yeah. Um, what was, I guess, how did you feel about that team? Yeah. I mean, I think in, in many ways, if you looked on paper, 03 might've been a better team than 04, argue, you know, like yeah. arguably going into it. And, you know, it was about halfway through the season when you realized that the center midfielder pairing of Jacob Spiegel and Corey Lewis was pretty tough. And then Nolan and Stetson, Nolan, sorry, Nolan and uh, Seymour. Justin Seymour up front. And then you had, you know. Stetson and you know uh, oh wait no Stetson was on that he was uh, no he's 05 05 yeah. that's right yeah and we had you know yeah. well you had uh, Jordan Spiegel was sweeping yep. yep and you had Sean Martin yeah um, just so many great players there and um, but halfway through that season you said I don't know I think we're good enough defensively and we're certainly good enough offensively to go win things um and then going into the Final Four, um, S.S. Seward, who had lots of success, you know, Class C, Class D, back and forth. Um, Rob Gravel from Shazy was yep. their AD at the time. Said, geez, if we can win that one, 
I think we can beat, you know, the next win the next one. And so uh, Eric Ashline scores a great goal yeah. to put us ahead, who uh, was not, and I've always said this, sometimes in a lot of those big games, it's not the guy you think is going to score. He scores a great goal to put us ahead. And then you could see Seward was having to push to try to get back into it. And Justin Seymour had a, had a bomb to make it 2 nothing. But also, as many people remember, um, on that day, Corey Lewis went down. Yeah. I said to Brian Norcross next to me, I said, you know, Corey just broke his leg. He's like, no, he didn't. I said, yep, I've seen it before. And uh, sure enough. So now you, you, you get to the state championship game and arguably, you know, your best player or t- certainly the top five best players. Well, in your MVP team. of the year that year, right? Yeah. I mean, that you're saying to yourself, geez, how are we going to, you know, do this? And, and a lot of people I'm crazy about this is that I, I almost think in some ways Corey getting hurt, and of course I would have loved to have him on the field, may have helped us win it because I think everyone said, oh my God, we got to step up. We got to step up or this thing's not yeah. going to happen. And we moved, and I think people disagree with me, I moved Nolan to the center midfield because I knew he would generate his own chances. Mm-hmm. You know, he would find chances regardless of where he was. And um, who played forward in that game? I think Kyla Fountain did. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I think he did. Yeah. Um, and we just, you know, I knew we'd be good defensively, and we just wait for the right the opportunity to go finish one. And sure enough, Nolan scores a, a one, one of the most that, iconic goals yeah, in Chasey yeah, history. Yeah. I, you know. Um, I, I re- well, I had Corey came on the podcast a couple yes. months ago. Yeah, I listened and, to uh, it. I still stay in touch with him, and he sends, I, I love it because he sends me stuff about yeah, basketball. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and it's, and I look forward to it, you know, and I, I lost touch with him for years and I feel like I've kind of gotten back into, you know, and we, I, I know more from basketball back in the day playing. Um, yeah. But uh, he, he even said when he broke his leg, like he knew the exact minute and he knew yes. exactly where he broke it. And I, I um, you know, that was one, I, I watched it live. The same thing. I think if you're Shazy, you know exactly on the, what field yes. and where he was on the field when it happened. Um, but I think that was one of the heartbreaking things the next day is just like seeing him like in the wheelchair, like I was hard on the sidelines, you know, just all bundled up and, you know, to see a kid that was just like, you know, so good. And so, uh, you know, I mean, well good in the sense, I mean, good player, but like such a shaze, like, like just one of those guys you could lean on, on the team oh, yeah. and just like, Absolutely. he's going to produce and, and to see him just sit on the sideline knowing number one, like obviously you almost felt more for him than like, hey, we have this insurmountable. Like, like it sucks not having him on the field. But like, I just remember even you know being a peer of his at the time, being oh, like, yeah. this is just a bummer that you it can't is. play. It was so, so good. sad. Yeah. Um. But you, you go into the game and and uh, the 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 couple the couple things I remember in that mm-hmm. game was the, the goal without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I guess the. The, the Seymour to Nolan header, but it wasn't, it was off the re yeah. the corner kick. We got yes. kicked back out. Yeah. And Justin basically served the same ball up. Um, I, the, one of the plays I don't, th- I think people remember back then, you certainly remember it, uh, was the Johnny Bell save. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, and that was another thing when I was a kid because I played defense. So, you know, you're kind of watching guys and I always had a lot of respect for Johnny because he yeah, wasn't flashy, but he was just like, he was just solid. You yeah, just, he was. And I remember he played left back and I remember um, Jordan got beat. It was basically a, Johnny had had one opportunity, went in and took it, and I just yeah. remember that being a big play late in the game because yes. you you know we were up I think one nothing at the time, and it was you know and I think every Shazy, I mean I think the whole town was there, but yeah, I just remember uh, you know you're so close for so many years and yes. you see it like you know what what was the goal scored I can't remember was it second half or first half first half okay I I think. 
think it was the second half. No, no, you're right. First, no, first half. half. First yeah, because they, they, yeah, yes. Johnny saved it on the same side Nolan scored. So I just remember like seeing the clock tick down. I always, you know, I don't know when I was coaching, was it always Norcross? Like tick, tick, tick. Like, you yes. know, I just kind of, yeah. and I just could like, you just like go fast, go fast, yeah, go fast. I, so what I, was that like? I remember like the last 10 minutes thinking, you know, all of a sudden doubt starts to come in your head because you're saying, is it really going to happen? Because you, you're, at the time, you know, of course, people would compare us to the Buffalo Bills there for a while. And you said to yourself, when is the moment that that our fate is going to change? You know, mm-hmm. when, when is the moment that we're going to see, like, oh, there it is again. It's 1-1. Or when are we going to see a moment that you say, okay, maybe this is our day. And I think, you know, that, that moment. And they also had an indirect kick. In like the box? In the box from yeah, about you know, 10 yards out, and the kid hit it over. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, maybe this is going to happen, you know. So my other, you know, obviously the lasting, I think the biggest lasting memory is just mm-hmm. the fans rushing the field, which yeah. I think in all the years we've ever played, mm-hmm. was the only time that's happened. Well, we played the last game on the last day. Yep. You know field, I, mean? I remember field one. Yeah, down so the end. there was no games after us. So they, I think the security was just like, yeah, hey, let it go. And um, yeah, when the final whistle blew like i kind of was like is this really did this really just happen and uh you know i think for many people who might you know listening to this or they may think geez this is really overstated how you know how important this is in your life i think so much of it is the effort that goes into it Mm -hmm. you know it's it is just a game and um but it's the it's how much effort goes into it how much time goes into it how much um you know as they say, the blood, sweat, and tears goes into it. So then when it finally does happen and it's, and it's hard and it's a lot of work for that to get there. And so, um, was just really, obviously a very special moment. I think what is the most, the greatest part that I always take away from that day was how much joy it gave to so many people. It wasn't just, you know, myself and the players and their parents that were there, that it was just really a huge community moment and not even just like a small one and not even just that it lasted that day. It had such a huge impact on so many people and so many people in the community and how proud people were of what our little school had done. And, and, you know, you have to remember, I think prior to that section seven had had, I think St. John's won a couple hockey state championships and Plattsburgh won a baseball state championship. But prior to that, like this was like, it was no, a while though. It didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're talking like, you know, decades prior to that, those, those state championships occurred. So for us to do it in, um, in a sport that many people, you know, years and years before that thought the North country was way behind everyone else, um, was a, a really big moment and a really special moment for, for our whole community. Um, so well, that was also my first ever final four going to, and I don't know why it took me so long, but I went in 2004 and I don't think I missed one until I had kids. So, yeah. I mean, um, but I remember like, you know, coach Brendler was there, coach Tregan was there, mm-hmm. the amount of alumni that had played there, you yeah. know, parents, students. I mean, at the time I remember rushing the field as a student, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, but to be right there rubbing elbows with guys wearing their jackets from years yeah. past. And yeah. it was just a cool moment. I just remember, um, the Hall of Fame, where you walk in, you do the, you know, you're up on the steps yeah. and, and getting the uh, the award and stuff, and just it's just green and white, and it's just, yeah. you know, and it was so cool because I think it was like you said, it was like a collective town like exhale, like oh my gosh, yes. I think this, we pulled this off. Um, what what uh, was there anything, um, I guess that year in 2004, 
was there anything different with you at that team that you think might have put them over the edge, or do you just think there wasn't much difference from you know maybe from the late '90s to that team? It just maybe some luck, maybe you know, a couple. Every team's a little different. <clears throat> um, you know, I I thought the leadership we had that year, and at the like, you know, Jacob Spiegel was just a in you know determined kid. I felt with him in the center midfield, we were just a different level. Nolan was just a, of course, a unbelievable you know forward with justin seymour um and i i didn't i felt i think the one thing i'd say about the 04 team is i never felt they felt the weight of losing i know you know like they didn't feel like oh my god what if we lose a semifinal? they just had this true belief that we're yeah we're gonna win this um and i didn't think they felt like oh god if we lose this one that's another year in a row where we lost in the semifinals um they just, you know, Zach Perot. I don't want to forget him. Yeah, he was yeah. such a big part of that team too. Stopper. Yep. And um, just a lot of confident kids. Um, what? So what you just said, I remember, um, you know, a couple, a few years later, um, you know, two thousand. I played on five, six, and seven, and I remember. Um, well, you moved me up. I remember at the mm-hmm. very end of five, but I remember, um, and we'll get to two thousand five. But yeah, I remember the mindset. Especially in 2007, because I, I played you know a bigger role mm. on that team. But I remember in 2007, one of the things every game we played, I went in and it was it was very weird. I just knew we weren't going to lose. It wasn't it wasn't sure. like the mindset of like we're going to win. It wasn't mm. the mindset like I want to win. It was the mindset of I we're not going to lose and I don't want to lose kind of deal. And I I remember warming up vividly because we played the state championship game in the same field as before. Yes. Yep. I remember being over. Um, the sideline of where our bench was, but like that left corner, basically where we all end up celebrating at the end of the mm-hmm. game. And I remember yeah. being there, um, you know, passing the ball with Kyle Reynolds. He was like kind of my my warm up partner before the game. And I remember just juggling with him. And it was funny because we were both seniors at the time, and it was our last game, win or lose, last mm-hmm. game we were ever going to suit up. And um, I remember there was like a big calm to the point where like I, I still remember this to this day. I, I remember. You know, this might have been as you're going around to kind of, you know, talk to all the players. And uh, I just remember juggling with Kyle and passing the ball around and kind of thinking like, oh, we've just been doing this for years. Like this, like yeah. the warm up and the juggle. And I think <clears throat> when you talk about details and prep and routine, we were such in a zone that was like, this is yeah. just what we did. And I remember going into that game, not knowing the outcome, not knowing what the heck was going to happen. But in my mind, I was like, well, there's no way we're losing. So it's a matter of like, just how do we win? And I, yeah. and it wasn't like you said, a, a pompous, um, arrogant thought in my head. It was a very confident thought, mm-hmm. but I just trusted, you know, every player on the team that was going to step on every, or every guy on the team that was going to step on the field. I just had a hundred percent reliance yes. on them, whether they were Nolan, whether they were the third guy off the bench or whatever, you know, I just knew the, your teammates were going to step up. I knew I was going to, you know, at least play to my abilities, you know, and I, I think I had, or I had the confidence that I was just going to show up and, and, you know, not to say I was going to predict we were going to do it, but I just had that, that self-confidence and it was funny. We, um, you know, winning the game won nothing and late too, cause Stetson scored a late goal. Mm-hmm. And I just remember even, even when it was zero, zero, I was like, we're not going to lose. It's just a matter of like, when are we going to score? Um, now not, not that, not speaking on that team, but, is that how you approach it as a coach? Cause you don't, yeah. Cause I think coaching can be difficult too. Cause you physically aren't in the field. So it's like some of the stuff's out of your, a lot, well, a lot of the stuff's out of your control. Um, but do you have that thought on the sidelines? Yeah. Line we use all the time with the players is that, you know, believe you're going to win, but know you could lose, Yep. you know? Uh, and I think 
one of the things that we tried to build in all those years was the belief that we're going to win, you know? Um, and I think it took a while. Like even this year, I felt when we went to the final four, when we played Southern Cayuga was a very good team that when it got to PKs, I looked at my guys and I felt like they were like, yeah, we're going to win this. And the Cayuga guys were like, I don't want any part of this thing. Cause Zamira was playing really well that day. Yeah. I mean, all year, but he, yeah. I mean, he had some big yeah. saves that day. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think I tried to exude um, to my players a, a, a view, you know, a image that I'm confident in that we're going to win this, and that a belief in them, which is it's for real, it's real, it's not, you know, uh, fabricated in any way. But I'm also in the same point preparing for the worst case scenarios, and I'm preparing, you know, my team for every possible scenario that we would have to deal with or preparing as if we're going to lose that we might lose you know what i mean as in um looking at that team analyzing team watching them play looking at every possible advantage i can gain um going into a game so like what what i exude and what i say and how i'm preparing is a little bit different i think i prepare for games as in uh, almost like a pessimist if we don't play well in my head we're going to lose you know, I got I to make sure that we're prepared. I got to make sure that we take this team seriously. We take, you know, take every moment seriously. We look at every scenario, how I can gain things, but then also exude this, you know, um, you know, kind of persona of image of confidence and that we're going to win this thing. And so I know it's an odd answer to your question, but a little bit of both. So, so do you have a routine for prepping for games? You know, usually with most teams, I've watched them play before we play them, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's watching games, looking at, you know, what they have, their players, what kind of formation they play, you know, lots of prep. And then when it gets to state playoffs, I get like, (laughs) now I'm spending, you know, endless amounts of hours watching every possible moment of every game um, that they have, Um, you know, which I think helped us in the state finals, state semifinals. So I kind of knew which way those kids were going to take their PKs because um, I had watched so many of their games and watched when they got PKs and watched which way they went. So like those little things you do, you know, can prep. And, and to be honest, I think the girls won their sectional, uh, their state regional game because John Trigan did the same thing with Chattagay. He watched Chattagay girls, found where their girls took had PK shootouts, found which way they went, and then told his goalie when, I don't know, number seven comes up, she's going to go to your right. Number 10 goes up, she's going to go to your left. And so I think there's a lot of, if you probably remember when you're with me, lots of preparation going into especially big games. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what things we have to worry about, what things we have to prepare for. Then you, you know, you go, then you go, you know, more detailed, like what things does, um, you know, Jacob Spiegel need to prepare for? What does Nolan Ryan need to prepare for? What does, you know, Zach, or Kyle LaFound need to prepare for like well, I remember going up in your office <clears throat> or your, your your classroom and just like watching mm-hmm. game film like late mm-hmm. like in the state playoffs I remember yeah. you get games from regionals and stuff and yeah. I'm sure you cherry pick what we saw and didn't see but yeah those days are over because <clears throat> every kid's got an NFHS uh, account account so I remember I used to show I used to not let you guys watch full games because oh, we had like bootleg filming of yeah. someone up in the stands because you guys would uh, go one way or the other this team is awful we're going to win by 10 goals or this team is too good we're going to lose by 10 goals so yeah. I knew yeah. Um, so, no, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember watching and then having coach with you after. And then I got kind of the, the inside look. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my god, these guys are. You know, not, 
I want to say terrible, but you're yes. like, we, you know, this isn't as good, but you, then you go in and you got to spin it a little bit. Well, what you're telling me. And then when you go talk to the boys, yes. it's completely different. Cause yeah. like, and you got to, so I wouldn't openly lie, but I would spin it in a certain way that make sure that play they, up their strengths. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. which, which is good. Cause I think the boys, you know, when you want them ready to run off the, the bus, like yeah. ready to attack versus yes. feel like, oh, this is going to be a, yeah. you know, not too hard of a game, but, um, okay. I gotta, gotta read my writing here. I got, I got a lot of questions on this. Sure. So the, Actually, let, let's we'll we'll keep going because I think sure. a lot of these will build on. So let's do two thousand four, uh, win the first state championship. Yeah, you know, great stuff. Um, you know, and I think a very iconic moments. And then two thousand five comes out. Um, I remember the field was dedicated. The field was opened. The mm-hmm. final, finally, the field. Yep. Um, and that was I remember oh, it was Johnsburg or something. It was just like an yeah. early like yeah. September or, or late August day. Um, and I remember the boys one handedly. And at this point. A lot of these guys were like buddies of mine, and I wasn't yeah. on the team. Yet. I was I was still playing on JV, but you know Nolan, Kyle, um, you know Perry was on the team, and then you, obviously the Spiegels, and um, you know just well, and, and Lewis was a senior, and Seymour, and like all, just like the best. I mean, you just saw this team, and it was like Murderer's Row of yeah. And I felt I remember going to the season, and the first game was just like easy, but I'm curious to see your. Um, view on this because 2005 broke every shazy record i could mm-hmm. i can think of well almost every 2002 had a couple for the scoreless yeah. stuff but um 2005 i just remember every single game they went into it just didn't feel like a fair fight from the first no. first time they touched the yeah. ball and it was also the first time the only other time i would probably say it was close was 2012 when he had like 12 very good seniors yeah um but the 2005 team, to me, is the best ever Shazy team in the sense that every player on... I mean, when you have Jason Baker playing left back on that team, yeah. and you have some guys that... And the crazy thing is, you could have went, I don't know how many deep on the bench and mm-hmm. would have been still winning games. And um, so I guess what was... Give us uh, your thoughts on 2005. Yeah, I mean, that's just a, an impressive team. Also, when you say Stetson Fields coming off Stetson. the bench, you know, yeah, that's, uh, an, that's, uh, that's not a fair fight. But um, yeah, I, it just, I, it's hard to say, you know, but just a, a very, very good team. And, you know, from the start, as you said, that, you know, we were kind of just, you know, winning games easily. You know, the, the part that a lot of people don't know about, and you have some connections, E Town guys nowadays too, yeah. like that E Town team was very good. The home game was only one nothing. That E Town team uh, could have won a state championship if we weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very good, and you know if you look at how we kind of dominated in state play, boy, you know you could argue that you know uh, them and Fillmore were the two best teams in the state besides us. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, you know that was just a team that could score in bunches, you know, and uh, different people could do it. So it didn't have to be, it wasn't the one guy that you had to lean on to go score all your goals. And, um, you know, but I said all along, you know, that we were going to have a moment somewhere in that season where we were going to have to earn it. And when we got to the state semifinals and we fell behind one nothing to Fillmore, you kind of knew that this was their moment. And then when Nolan missed a PK to tie it up, and then you said, oh, Chase, you know, we're really going to have to earn this. And then we, you know, tied it up and then couldn't score, couldn't score, went to overtime. And then 
the most famous assist ever. Coriolis. Coriolis. Yep. So I was, you know, Seymour knows this story. I was mad at him for not playing well at the time. So I took him out just to kind of give him the business and put Coriolis in to start the second, the first sun death overtime, I think. I think it was. <clears throat> Might have been the second. I don't know. I think it was the second. And, um, you know, kicked the ball off on the on the kickoff to Nolan, you know, kicked it a yard and then no one dribbled through the entire team and scored to win, uh, to win the game. And, uh, uh, just, uh, you know, that's what made Nolan special too, is I, you know, I always say about Nolan Ryan is that, you know, he scored a lot of goals. Yep. And he scored some really good, he scored a lot of goals against some really bad teams. Mm -hmm. He also scored a lot of goals and against really good teams and in really big moments. And, uh, that one was a, was a big one to say the least. I think if, um, you know, and I'm obviously overly biased. I played with Nolan. I mean, I was <laughs> same class and, um, seeing no, I mean, and I don't have to put you on the record stating this. Yeah. I think the best player ever at Shazy is Nolan. And I don't know if that's different, different. Um, mm-hmm. obviously the goals, um, you know, you can look at the goals and you can look at everything else, but I think just the fact of, when he scored the goals, mm-hmm. um, the moments that he rose to the occasion. I mean, we played in some big games. Even, even remember him playing like, you know, um, youth level soccer and travel soccer mm-hmm. and indoor soccer. And it's like when you needed a goal, Nolan got it. And yeah, yeah, he he was you know just um, yeah he will go down obviously as if not the best, one of the best certainly in my era. You know, I know uh, Tom Trigonag. Chris Gondek, who was a very special player, and George had his own players there too. Um, but Nolan could just go get goals in all different ways, though, too. You mm-hmm. know, he could head the ball well, he could dribble, he could shoot from long distance, he was he could score in all different ways. And you know, um, his sports it, IQ was good too. Yeah, he just had yeah. an engine too that you know never ended. He was also one of those kids. I've never seen a guy get whacked more on the field. Yeah, just get up yep. and just get going like yep. I, I go do I, it again yep. yeah yeah and and i think he's like he took the he took the beating he took the punishment i saw him lose, lose his cool a couple times ever yeah but very, very few very, very few, few. Yeah. considering how he was played and how he was marked yes. up and i mean yeah it, no, no one was by far the best player i ever played but um and i think even you know beyond the years at least from the coat and again i'm speaking from like my memory that you know, it's just, I don't think we've had a player like Brandon Lauren could go score goals. Stetson yes. could score goals. Yes. I and mean, we had some guys that could go out and score goals. I've never seen anybody replicate what Nolan, like if you just left yeah. Nolan on the field, you knew you were getting goals. You always ask me about the difference between the 05 team and the 2012 team. Or, you know, there's a lot of similarities to it. In 2012's defense, 05 did play an easier schedule. Um, you In know, they league play, yeah. yeah, league play. So they were, you know, when, uh, 2012 team was playing NAC. We were 25. 05 team was playing Crown Point. You or know, even Westport or, or something. Westport. And so, um, but boy, you know, uh, 05 was just, uh, yeah. Um, so what was the, I guess what was your, because that was my first, uh, actually this is a funny story. I remember, I remember you called us in and moved us up to uh, mm-hmm. varsity and then I ended up missing the first game because I was going to Notre Dame, which I remember telling oh, you that. Yeah. You said you were a Notre Dame fan. So yes, I was like, I okay. Am. So that's, yeah, you were all good. I was like, got, made that one. I was like, revoke my uh, my pass up. But yeah. I remember uh, my first practice ever. And the one thing I remember about the 2005 team was every one of those guys mm. played practice like it was a state championship game. And 
and I love like a lot of those guys are, you know, still great memories with those boys. Mm -hmm. And, but I remember going into the first practice off of JV and I remember playing a possession game. It was a full field possession game down in this half we play. Someone passed me the ball and Seymour comes up Mm -hmm. and Seymour weighs all of about 90 pounds. Yeah. Plays tough though. Plays tough. Scrappy. Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely plays above his weight. Oh yeah. Punches above his weight. Strong kid for his size. Yeah. Went up and he kind of like put his body between me and the ball like clean play wasn't yeah. i mean some some uh bad ref probably would have called it but it was definitely a clean play got in front of me and i just remember his hand coming over and grabbing me like this pushing me out of the way to take the ball yeah i had to scratch down my arm like the entire week mm-hmm. and i just remember thinking like wasn't mad at him wasn't nothing the only thing that crossed my head was like oh you got to step up now like yeah. i just remember in my head i'm like this isn't jv like yeah. these and and then you just watching everybody who just they played so hard and i yeah. It was just a weird, it was a, the culture around that team was amazing. So one of the things that we've tried to do is I read a great book years ago uh, from Anson Dorrance. He was the women's coach at mm-hmm. North Carolina for many years. Mm-hmm. He talked about this thing, competitive cauldron. And so if you remember, like there was always competition in practice. And I think that uh, with that 05 team, even more so because, and this is going to come across wrong here, but practices were almost days off. Our games were almost days off. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, because sometimes they're only the starters were only playing forty minutes, whatever. So I had to use practice as the game time, kind of like reverse my thought process. Sometimes you use the game, and then the next day in practice is a rest day mm-hmm. or a you know lighter. I had to reverse it a little bit because my players weren't getting enough playing time in those in the games, and so. Um, and then we always tried to build this like com- competition in practice. You're competing, competing, competing. And that 05 team was probably the most competitive group I've ever had mm-hmm. in practice of just really getting after it. And I think that was what made them so good that in games, games didn't feel any different than what practice was like. It actually might have been less competitive in many ways. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I remember playing a possession game and I moved up and you had already mentioned I was in the you know, the second tier, you know, I wasn't with the starters yeah. and Stetson was in my, my, yeah. which just like, you think about it now and what, yeah. you know, the hit, you know, obviously yeah. the, the following years for Stetson, it yeah. was like, that was like the, the, the possession drill you're winning, yeah. which was crazy. Cause it was, it was so hard, but yeah. it was, it was, yeah. it was great. And then, uh, um, I mean, my memory of that was, it was good, but it was like fun to just learn and kind of be part yeah. of the culture. And I think that was important. At least me, I, I always, I was so happy that I didn't, play at the start of the season in 05 yeah because i it was one of those years i got to really like me personally i wasn't a great player but i think i was good enough like by my senior year and i think one of the things i think we do well at shay z is that that's that junior year for me personally allowed me to grow quite a bit because i played all the time Mm -hmm. but it allowed me to just become a better player a little bit you know better in shape better mentally with the Mm -hmm. game um because it really is like when your time comes which for me it was kind of like late junior into senior year you hope that you've prepared all these years for that moment. And I mm-hmm. think that's Shay Z. It's like, I remember as coaching um, in JV, my goal wasn't necessarily to win or lose. And I think yeah. it was always like, how can I prepare the kids to know what Rob was going to expect? Yeah. And how was I going to push the better players? You know, I remember having like a, you know, like a Derek Drake. And I remember having these, yeah. these young guys, you know, Zach brothers, and mm-hmm. they were great players, but it's like, I knew they would be special on your team. So it's like kind of, push them a little bit more. And then yeah. you had some players you wanted, you know, to help out and stuff, yeah. but you really were trying to, um, 
groom them for what you needed or where we thought they could be, mm-hmm. you know, once you took a hold of them and just kind of really pulled them, yeah. you know, to new heights. But, yeah. um, can, can we take a quick break? If you yeah, don't mind? Sure. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're back. This was, I, I'm going to, this was the first time I pod the po- paused the podcast in 215 episodes. Usually oh, I just God. like talk through dead space, but yeah. I told Rob too, I had to go to the bathroom. So actually it was perfect timing. But, um, so the 2005 team, I, I got a lot more questions. So I don't want to yeah. harp on it, but no. the, um, so again, go through when the second state championship mm-hmm. be a very, you know, a very good Fillmore team came back and then Poland three Oh, mm-hmm. um, in the finals. And, uh, Again, at this point, you know, having won back-to-back state championships, which was, you know, felt like, you know, so far away, even a couple of years prior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the thought at that point? Because again, as a player, I think we finally got to, I'm, I just remember it being like, okay, this is now every year we show up day one of practice preseason. Like our mm-hmm. goal is to win the state championship. Yeah, there's like, yeah. there's, it's not like it's a bad season if you don't, but yeah. It, it feels like it to us because we knew what we were capable of. So yeah. I guess what was your, from a coaching standpoint, what was your thoughts after that season? Well, one of the things I want to mention to you about that 05 season, I always think of this one quick story and then I'll move on. But the uh, we played Ogdensburg that year. Ogdensburg had a good team. We beat them 6 nothing that day in 05. About a week before that, they played Liverpool High School from Syracuse, who was mm-hmm. – Top twenty-five in double A, and lost like two nothing. Oh, and wow. a week later, they come to Shazy and we put six on them. And I remember the coach saying, "Like you're the best team we played this year by far." And we played a double A. We played Liverpool like a week ago. Anyway, I think after oh five, um, again, it's another not not just oh four. Oh four obviously was a big moment, but oh five. Then you felt like, okay, this is now program changing that you know we've won two in a row um you know with looking at who we had and the program that we had you know kind of built with you know doing a lot of other things club soccer and you know a whole bunch of things that we were doing we knew that we were building something you know uh not just for a small time period of a you know three-year window where we might do well that we were building something that was going to be significant and um you know then it really was you know being greedy. How can we keep winning this thing? And, uh, you know, and obviously 06 was a great, great team. Um, but the one thing I've said all along throughout all my, when people ask me about my teams over the years that, boy, there was a lot of very good E-Town teams and Willsboro teams over the years that are for, you know, are overshadowed by the success that we had. And, um, you know, we weren't around, boy, you could be talking about how E-Town has won a couple state championships or Willsboro yeah. has won one or two and because they were that good. And, I mean, there were years where we would win a state championship. I'd look back and say, oof, you could argue the toughest game we had all year was with E-Town or mm-hmm. Willsboro. Um, and 06 was, was that year. And, and you could argue probably the toughest loss of my career. Um, I was going to ask you that because it, it, it was for me as a player, but I said I couldn't even imagine as a coach. Yeah, because it was such a special group of kids with, mm-hmm. you know, the Spiegel boys and, you know, so many of those great kids. And it was a, it was a tough one. Well, I remember, um, and I, I didn't realize the number. I mean, if you asked me, I would have given you the, mm. the stat off the top of my head. But um, we had a 54-game winning streak, no yeah. ties, straight wins from 04 to 06. And right now it's number two overall in New York state mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the 
biggest bummer that year. Like I remember losing and I had to go the well, I remember having to go in for Casey Trombley who got injured. Yes. And which trust me, I I, I tried to play my best. I didn't want to go in. It was one of those deals. Like I know I went in and like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I would have been fine sitting on the bench and watching Casey play because Casey yeah. was such a good player. He was a great player. And, uh, you know, and then you had to move Kenny up the stopper. I went into right back and, you know, we played pretty well. And, um, you know, we were up one, nothing. I remember. And then I, mm-hmm. I, you know, a deflection here and a kind of a, kind of a funky yeah. goal. And, and, uh, but I remember, um, it was obviously a devastating loss, but I remember the E-Town team being very good in both, games he played earlier yes. in the season and i mean that was a team like i know scott morris very well now but mm-hmm. scott morris you had the maori kid you had the uh was it scaglione mm-hmm. you had yeah, Gary very Hume, good players um ratliff i mean you had all these guys <clears throat> that like you said and, and you know paul was coaching at the time and i just remember i think i remember standing for the introductions for the game and our record was undefeated at the time mm-hmm. and i i think they were might have had like Two losses and a tie, and two yeah. losses were to us. And I remember the state, and of course, the state rankings take them for what they are, but we were mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. And I want to say they were like number five in yeah. the state. Yeah. And I remember just standing out there, and that was like, you know, we're ready to play these guys. And I'm like, this is a, this is a good team. And not mm-hmm. just a good team in the sense that you're playing them in sectional finals. Like you said, this could be a state championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was played like that. It just, that was a tough one um, for many reasons. And I just remember, um, well, we'll get to that. So, so 2006, that, that was the worst loss. That was one of my questions. What was going to be? That's, that's probably number one. I could give you a few more after that, but, um, yeah, I think, um, I think what I'm saying to my assistant coaches that, that right before that game starts, if we win this, we're in a state championship. Oh, and, and that team, in my opinion, that was, and again, I could be biased because of my team, but I think that was the best team not to win a state championship. Yeah. Um, and 03 was very good too, but yeah. that was one of the things that, because the guys that were the seniors that year, like the Spiegels and Casey and, mm-hmm. and Evan and Kenny, and like those guys became like brothers on the team and like yeah. not to win for those guys. Like that, tough. that was tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so that, that was tough. It's, it's, you know, and those, those are, I mean, still good dudes to this day, but that was, uh, I always yeah. say this, like if someone says, explain to me, you know, such and such game that you won, I got to think about it for a little bit. But if you ask me to explain the losses, I could give you those pretty clearly. Yeah, that and that one. Um, yeah, that, that was a tough one. But yeah. I, uh, I've uh, never watched a game we've lost on tape ever. Yeah, me either. So, if any game we've ever lost since I've been coaching, I've never watched it ever. I I, I feel like I don't even have to watch it. It's yeah. like one of those things that's like burned in your brain. I mean, you right. just, people yeah, say all the time, "You've never." I'm like, "No," because I know exactly what the mistakes we made, and. I don't want to put myself through that pain again. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you you learn from it, and yeah. Um, so that one, they again, oh six, we got upset, and and um, you know, I say uh, we were upset, but mm-hmm. Etown was very good. And then I remember coming back. So the next year was my senior year. I remember the same thing. Like we we had a good we had a good team. I don't think we were as good. We I know we weren't as good as the two thousand six team. Mm-hmm. We were still good. Um, you know, we had. A very good Stetson was coming into his own mm-hmm. Jason Baker and then obviously Nolan was a senior and, we, and Kyle LaFountain we had a good squad but I just remember that season we ended up losing um in the what well, wasn't the Frankie Carroll at the time it was just the Shazy tournament mm-hmm. um to a very good Plattsburgh high school yeah. that won in the state finals that year or lost in the state finals yeah. that year um 
in overtime. Yeah. And I remember that being, and that was a good, I mean, Pat Shaughnessy. That was a great team. You know, yeah. Mike Bennett. I yeah. mean, you had some, uh, you, you had some studs on that team too. They and, did. And uh, I remember losing that. And then I remember coming back, we beat Canton the, the following day or two days later yeah. in the tournament. And then we ran the table. But I just, I still remembered like we just weren't going to, I don't know. It was just, you had a chip on your yeah. shoulder. Of, like this was, we lost, this mm-hmm. is our last year. You know, and I think if you would have told, and Nolan's probably not going to outwardly say it, but Nolan wasn't going to lose that year. Kyle LaFount yeah. wasn't like, you know, just the guys that had been yeah. there for years. And um, so I guess what was your thought on, because that ended up being the third state championship, mm-hmm. but that also came, again, I'm going to be biased here. I think that, I think the years of like that 03 to, you know, maybe seven, you could possibly throw an eight that went to the state championship. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was definitely like a, I don't want to call it the golden age, but that was a, definitely a peak in yeah. Jay-Z soccer. Yeah, sure. And I think because it was partly got over the hump and really kind of molded yeah. success. Yeah, it's kind of a generation of kids. You know, you're talking about Nolan Ryan was kind of a cl- close to out of hand in, you know, in all those wins there. Yeah. Well, he did really in, um, in his group. And, um, you know, the, the crazy thing about that 07 uh, game was that we didn't play that great in the semifinals. And then, yeah, right. and then so it was irritated going into the finals i thought you know and poland was of course another very good team who we, we had seemingly always couldn't you know always got the, the better end of and so they um and i remember you know as good as nolan was that day in the finals he just wasn't off a little bit or yeah. they were really paying a lot of attention to him so you know which is i always look back at one of the best moves I ever made was switching him and stetson for the last 15 minutes of the mm-hmm. of the game and sure enough, Stetson goes down and hits an absolute, you know, great bomb finish in upper ninety, uh, late in the game to win it. And um, you know, and I think um, that was a team. You know, when you have Stetson Fields playing center midfield and Nolan Ryan up front, you got a chance to win every game you got. Yeah. You know, uh, and Jason Baker and a whole bunch of great players. And you know, you guys were you guys were so good. What uh the so the following year, two thousand eight, which. Mm-hmm. I probably will say if 2006 wasn't your worst loss, yeah, probably the finals of 08 were. Yeah, that's probably number two. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember, and I'm guessing the only reason was it wasn't against a local team. Is that probably the only reason you can think of? That what? That it's not like the you, worst? That was Hamilton versus yeah. Utah? Or was yeah, it just... Yeah, I don't know. I, I The 06 was just hard because of the kids that the boys, yeah. they lost. And, you know, in, in 08, we, you know, I had... Um, I won't make you relive it, but yeah, had three nothing, correct? Three, yeah, yeah. The only thing I'd say about that three nothing win uh, lead was the was the most precarious three nothing lead I've ever had in my life. Um, you know, we scored on a direct kick. We played our little you little know cross, cross Jordan Barry stuff. Scored it. a great one. Yep. Uh, we scored on a PK. Um, anyway, I just felt like. Every chance we got went in. And we had, you know, it was like in football terms, I think Tom Brandell said it was like you won on like a, you had the lead on a Hail Mary on a, you know, kickoff return, on, and- onside kick and, you know, fumble recovery. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, if they make it 3 1, we're in trouble because uh, they were just so good and they were better than yeah, us. Yeah. They were saying, please don't make it 3 1. If we can keep it 3 nothing, they'll, these are high school kids, they'll look at it, so it's lost, they'll give up. Not give up, but yeah. If they get if it makes it three one with any kind of time left, we're in trouble. And sure enough, the kid hits an absolute bomb from thirty five yards out and goes upper ninety. And then I kind of knew, yeah. you know, this is we're going to be on our hands full here. 
Um, the the one, and I remember going to that game, and that was that was the first time I wasn't a part. That was the actual only year I wasn't a part of the team from 2005 mm-hmm. to like whenever I, yeah. you know I got out of coaching. But I remember uh, summer league the year prior. I just I remember so vividly it was on the old soccer, the old varsity field. I remember showing up, and at this point I was like going into getting ready to go to Plattsburgh State for college, and Stetson was playing. I remember Stetson took the ball about midfield turned around and it was almost like he was playing like a video game. Like you just put like mm-hmm. the booster on. Yeah. He just dribbled in a straight line and just cut by guys, but barely had to move and just ran by guys yeah. and scored. And again, here's a kid that I played with the season prior that we went to school with all the way till about a month and a half prior, um, you know, in June. And I just showed up and I'm like, is that Stetson? Like he yeah. just like, he went from a, a very good, like yes. a very good player to like an exceptional, um, mm-hmm. to just stood out. And uh, I remember just watching him that year, and no, nothing against the rest of the team, but it, that was the year that I could vividly remember two players, Jason Baker being the other, mm-hmm. that had such a dominant role on a team. I, th- I think that you could make a case for uh, Nathan and Brandon in 2012, yeah, yeah. but Stetson and Baker at the time, that year were just, they were so good. And Stetson really was off the charts good. He was an amazing player. You know, and he was, yeah, he just was special. He could, you know. I feel like he grew a little bit too, which helped He him, did. But, he yeah. got he got bigger and stronger. And, yep. you know, we don't have phone booths around anymore, but the joke is that he could, you know, he could beat you three times inside a phone book. I a phone, phone booth, right? I believe it. And he just could dribble, dribble, dribble and beat everyone. He might have been the most talented player with the yes. ball. Like, I, Nolan was a great yes. dribbler and, and finisher. Nolan was still the better finisher, but yeah. Stetson for a one or two years with ball in his foot was amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, have, have you had anybody, I mean, uh, Heath, Heath Lucas was good, but I don't know if like Stetson was, yeah, Heath was a similar type player, mm-hmm. you know, of, you know, very, very technically gifted in small areas. And yeah, but Stetson just was like, he could just accelerate fast. He yes. could cut fast. He could just keep the ball in his foot, could shoot. I yes. mean, the, the, the amount of force he could put on a ball for, I mean, he's yeah. Stetson was all about five five maybe and yeah. and but the kid could uh, strong yeah um so that you know that that season you know come back um I, you know and I'll let you kind of talk about the two thousand nine to two thousand well twenty two team we'll kind of mm-hmm. give you like yeah sure you know more more over yeah arching theme there yeah oh nine you know um I think. What was great about 09 is that, you know, coming back after losing to Hamilton in such a tough way and and then beating them in the semifinals, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, was it Macravell goal? Was yeah, it? Macravell hadn't scored his whole life and then decides to score <laughs> one in the state semifinals and to win it. And, you know, how resilient we were then. Um, Nathan Reynolds concussion. got concussion, yep. knocked out in the semifinals, and so we had to go to the finals. And that's a, a famous story in 09 when I had – planned out who was going to take our PKs. So, you know, if we knew the goalie liked to cheat to his right or his left, we had it planned out. And and so this is only Brian Lauren would do this. So we win the semifinal game against Hamilton. Northville is playing in the semifinal game next to us. They go into all these overtimes and go to a shootout. So when they go to the shootout, I am like, of course, taking notes of everything I'm possibly seeing so that I know if these kids take a PK, which way they go and which way the goalies lean to. So the Northfield goalie was probably six, four. He was, yeah, I remember being a big boy, big kid. And he would 
always lean to his left on PKs. So I said, perfect. We had already planned out. If we see a goalie who leans to his left, Brandon Lauren will go to his, always goes to his right. Brandon insists I only go to a goalie's right. Okay, we're good. If it was the other way, it was going to be Nathan Reynolds. So sh- sure enough, we're playing Northville. Northville was a very good team, but we were we were the better team. Yeah. You know? And sure enough, the goalie comes out. And, of course, Kyle McCarthy's causing havoc on every restart. And the goalie comes out because and he didn't want to catch it. I think Kyle was going to knock him into next week. And, and so he just tried to punch it. When he punched it, he he knocked it. A kid from his team was standing right there and stuck out his hand. I don't know what the kid was thinking. You know, hit his hand, dropped to the ground. There was no one in the entire nation who would think that would not be a PK. He reached out his hand and grabbed it pretty much. So I said, there's two minutes, 22 seconds left. Mm-hmm. This kid is clearly leaning to his left. Brandon, take it, freshman. This is going to be, this is perfect. So I'm sitting there watching it thinking, he just, just get it on net. It's going in because this guy's going to be nowhere near it. So I look and I could tell in the split second of Brandon's run up to the ball that, oh my God, he's going the wrong way. He's going to shoot it to the goalie's left. And simultaneously, I see the goalie leaning to his left. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh my God. So sure enough, Brandon hits it, goalie dives. I see the goalie get his hand onto it. He hits it and it goes in side netting. So like he maybe got like another inch to his left more. He's probably saving it. And then Brandon would not be alive today to tell the story because I would have killed him that day. Um, do you think, <laughs> I love Brandon, but that I remember him kicking it upper nine, like, yeah. like upper 90. Yeah. And just like It was a good shot. Great shot. That's the only reason why it went in because but, the goalie knew what, the goalie went the right way. But really like a half a ball any other direction yes. it was off the post over the net yes. it saved and i i wonder on that did brandon when you said i go to my goalies right just think like i go right. no okay no no he said last minute i thought the goalie was leaning the, the other way i'm like oh my god brandon well i also i also remember i, I think it was something you discussed of like i think brandon just wouldn't let the moment get too big because i think brandon is just one of those like pretty loose players like, yeah you know and i think that especially as a uh, freshman that he was just mm-hmm. like I'm just going to go hit it hard. And it's like, well, that's actually why I chose him because I think I had chosen some seniors before that. And I think it was a lot, probably too much for me to ask of a 17 year old boy to on his senior year to go in essence, determine to win or lose a season. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm going to go with two freshmen who could don't even know what day it is. Yeah. Yep. And they won't. And if they lose it, so be it. But uh, so that's why I chose Brandon and Nathan to take one if we got to that point. And that uh, I just remember that being a big moment. And, and then we for two minutes they I just remember like holding oh, they, on. Yeah, they dominated us for two minutes. It was, it was they waited weird, for the last two minutes to dominate us. Yeah, we, I just remember the kid with the flip throw and it was just yeah. like a Shea Howley cleaned, cleared one off the line. Yeah, yeah, Shea was a big part of that team that year. And then uh, so 2010, 2010 we you know not to go through each but we went to uh, made to the finals against Hamilton again. Uh, we put a pounding on Fort Ann the day before. I think we won like five nothing, mm-hmm. um, and Hamilton was very good. So if someone asked me the best game you've ever been a part of, the the state finals in 2010 where we won in sudden yeah. death overtime, one nothing versus Hamilton is the best. The first year in Middletown, on yep. the, on the turf. Yep, the, the best game I've ever been a part of. Um, and I remember even before the game, if, before we scored, saying to you guys, "This is the best game I've ever been a part of." Um, which is funny because John Tregan got player of the week yeah. that week. And John MVP, played yeah. lights out. And I just remember uh, 
that that was good. I just remember the uh, it was a rough game, but I remember the officials let him play, er, yeah. play, and I remember Jordan. Um, Michael Rebo was, was tough Michael that Rebo day. was great. I yeah. think the Jordan, the goal was credited to Jordan, right? Because it skipped yes. off one of their players yeah. or something. But yeah. I mean, again, from half field and just you know put the, put the ball where it needed to be. So, um, but yeah, that, I agree. That was probably. And I was coaching at the time, and I just remember yeah. like that was a fun, exciting moment. But that yeah. was, uh, um, and then I guess, like I said, twelve. You know, I, yeah, arguably one of the better teams. Yeah, twenty eleven, we lost in the finals to Hamilton, tough one. Twenty twelve was just obviously a very, very good team. You know, the schedule was tough too. They had to, they played some good teams. Um, you know, good, a very good Beekman Town team. Um, you know, just a lot of good teams that year we played. And I would say the best top to bottom senior class. Yeah. That was very deep. Very deep. Class. Yeah, that was arguably the deepest team I've ever had where I could go pretty deep onto the bench and you know, and then always proud of players like Justin Brothers, who the year before was really not an option for me, I felt mm-hmm. to play and he hit the weight room and looked great and came back. So same it wasn't, um, David, David Poitras, yep. same did the yep. same and uh, you know, Nathan Reynolds was such a, just a, an amazing player back in those days. And, um, you know, geez, Brandon was, Brandon, Brandon, you know, Brandon and Nathan, Derek just Drake and Josh Barrier yeah. was just a, you know, coming up kid and decided to score three goals in the yep. state finals. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, 2012, you know, Oh five, 2012, clearly, you know, those are the two teams that people throw into the mix of the top mm-hmm. teams. Um, you know, 13, a team that shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have done anything, yep. did, you know, um, you know, how that team, you know, uh, that's what we, what we tied uh, Jasper Troopsburg. That was a tie, yeah, because I remember uh, Dylan Garrell scored the overtime yes, goal. Yes, against uh, Fort Ann, which Massive. Fort Ann was better than us, plain and simple. Yeah. And uh, it took me taking Josh Berry off the field for us to win it on that day. Obviously I'm joking there, but Josh was such an amazing player. Like his brother, Jordan, the two of them were just great players. And, uh, Josh, you know, just his body couldn't go any further that day. And mm-hmm. I remember putting in some subs and sure enough, Tommy Tebow serves one in and, and Dylan wins it. And, uh, I was going to say, if you were to say at the beginning of the yes. year, that was a combination that yes. won it. No, yeah. What were the odds crazy. on that? Very, yeah. very low, but it worked yeah, out. DraftKings would have had a, field day on that yeah one. yeah <laughs> and that so that was that jt was who or jasper tootsburg was the yeah that was a tie okay i yeah. always get that one yeah josh up. scored a tie it late and then we you know battle to a tie and then 17 yeah. 18 yeah uh great teams you know uh you know ben norcross great goalie during mm-hmm. those years and you know connor mccarthy or connor, connor mccarthy connor uh morse and you know josh mccauley and um, some great kids, Justin Seymour, or Justin Seymour, Jesus, yeah, mixing generations Heath here. Just, and... Justin Collins, Heath Lucas. I was uh, looking at him now, Tristan Connors. Yep. Great kids, yeah. great players, you know, and that, you know, that 18 team was Hayden King. Yeah. Hayden was, you know, tough kid. And that was a very good team too. You know, when you talk about, you know, again, that was a team that didn't give up a goal in league play, you know, uh, just, uh, that was a very good team too, you know, dominant. Uh, so you need to talk, you throw them in discussion at least with 04, 05 and 12, um, you know, and then get into those, I call them the COVID times, you know, 19, we are great. Just, you know, that we start getting into next thing you know, we're dealing with, uh, 
um, Mount Academy, who's now Class C, thank God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, beating them, you know, in that year was a great feeling. You know, especially beat them 3 nothing. You know, Riley Hansen scoring two great goals. Riley another. Tristan yeah. uh, Connors being so good. And, you know, Nathan Reynolds, someone mentioned him too a few years before that. What a great player he was. And um, yeah. So... I guess um, I'm going to kind of rapid fire these questions yeah, sure. for uh, just for time's sake for you. But um, so I get, uh, let me see which would be a good start off. Um, how has your coaching evolved from the first year till now? Yeah, I actually talk about that all the time to players because I have, you know, I have great assistant coaches now with, you know, Craig Botten, Austin Tatro, Josh Barrier, you know, John Trigan's doing the girls now, but a lot of them would say, you know, coach, you're a lot softer than you were years ago. I was actually going to ask yeah. you that, but okay. <laughs> so, and they're right. I think the one thing that I've learned is that, you know, I always say bad teachers say, kids are different nowadays and I continue to teach the same way I have for the last 30 years. So if you do that, no wonder kids don't like being in your classroom. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I change on how I coach depending upon the, the players I have and the kids I have and the children I teach or coach, because at the end of the day, I, I, and I say this tongue in cheek, I, I win more. I, I love winning more than I do holding to a standard. And what I mean by that is I could be the same coach as I was easily as I was in, you know, in, in 2005, 2006, but the, the kids aren't the same. They're not motivated the same. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to change if I want to be successful, what I'm doing. And so I can't be the same way. There's no, there's no way. And I think any good, you know, boss coach, you know, anyone kind of in a leadership role, you do need to change as time goes on. The people you, lead are not the same and so um they're right i am different and i and i've had to change as kids change and what motivates them is different than it would motivate motivated a kid in 05 in 05 in that time period coaching was still very dictatorial you mm -hmm. know i tell you what to do you do it and you don't ask why and i think we went through a time period in like the you know 10 years ago where it was you know i i somewhat dictatorial i tell you what to do and then you can ask why we're doing it but i'm still telling you what to do I, now i i really do involve the players more on why we're doing things i tell them why it's important why we're doing it i ask for their feedback on those things and i think that's what kids are they are nowadays that they want to feel like they're a part of it they're okay with you saying yes and no and that's still part of it but they want to know why you're doing things, the value of things. One thing that I find kids do not like in any way nowadays is what they feel is wasteful. Um, they don't like anything they feel is a waste of time. You know, um, they don't, like in school, they don't like um, they don't like homework that's just paper pushing. Mm -hmm. um, they don't like anything they can just you know memorize this. Why do I need to memorize this when I can just Google it? You know, those type of things. So I think when you're coaching kids. You do have to change and it's not like an overnight thing you have to like just kind of slowly evolve to who you have and um change it as you go do, do you find are you like the way that things have evolved do you think that you were capable of doing that would you have or could you have done that early maybe in the early late 90s early 2000s or do you think yeah. that 
you have a better handle on yourself as a coach, as where you could explain I, it better. That's and, a great question. I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth. I wish I could say for sure that back in 97, I would have been different. But but I also do know that in 97, I knew what how to motivate the kids. Mm-hmm. So what I have known to, I have to adjust over time, maybe. Um, but I also think I have a relatively good handle on children and what motivates them and what they want to hear and how they want to feel. Um, yeah. Did I think that even 10 years ago that I would be texting kids all the time during the season to tell them my thoughts and how I feel, you know, how I feel they're playing and no, but that's what, what is, what is different and what is, and so I'm not sure if I would have, um, but certainly now I know that I have to constantly evolve and change. Well, I think I think that's another thing too. Kids have more access to you than we, yeah. we would over kids in the late nineties. Like yeah. That's how you practice. They went home and that's it. Unless you called mom and dad at home on the landline, like yeah. it's So I know I I do. Uh, it does stick out. Um, some some of these are going to be fun, and some of these are going to yeah. be a little bit different. But um, well, actually, I'm gonna I'll, I'll get into before that that question. The where do you think the excellence of what you've been able to achieve, and and again like how hard like you how hard is it to keep it up you've been doing it for 27 mm-hmm. years currently it's and every year um i think one of the stats i looked at is like the winning percentage um i'll i'll find it i'll read these off before mm-hmm. we get off the air but like you know every year you know you're winning i think it's 18 and a half is the average amount of games you win in a year and when you only play low 20s maybe mm-hmm. 20 21 games mm-hmm. um you know how how have you been able to keep that bar the same i mean you're talking so many different amount of um, students, generations, you know, talent level. Um, is there like a secret sauce that you can pick out? Is it something where it's <laughs> I, like, you know, I think that I've often, and this really does sound like I'm trying to, you know, deflect, you know, success or whatever to other people, but anyone who I think has a successful business or has a successful organization, like, it really is not one person. And I'm not just saying that as a very, you know, common thing that people say, but there really is so many people that make it happen. I, I, you know, I think the part that we did well years ago was building a very solid base and building this kind of culture of success and this culture of, you know, I think we, we wanted to make sure that children want to play, that children want to be to be on this team and, and to continue the success. And so that was almost like self, um, you know, propelling, you know what I mean? That was almost, like a flywheel. It's like once yes. you get it moving. Yes. Just... And then, then, you know, that kids just want to be a part of it. They want to be, they see, they go to the games, they want to be a part of that, that program and they want to see it. So I think that's part of it. But there was, there's so many people over the years, you know what I mean? You, you mentioned, you know, we've mentioned Nolan multiple times here, but like his parents are so involved in like youth soccer and, Mm -hmm. and so many parents and people like, look how many like yourself, former players of mine have been coaches. Mm -hmm. Like, so now I have, you know, like this year I had Craig Botton as my modified coach, Yep. you know, uh, in just in, in Josh bear is my JV coach. Like how much, how much better? I mean, there are other schools who are begging people to coach who've never coached before and i've got two very very good former players you know both teachers who are just amazing at what they do and so and then i get these players coming to me who i always joked like now i don't have to teach them algebra i can teach them calculus you know what i mean as in they are so well versed in the game 
they're technically they're so much better because of good coaching. Their knowledge of the game is by far higher than many other kids. And so like, you know, I'd love to take huge amounts of credit for all this stuff, but boy, there is just so many great people like yourself and Ian Broussard and Tim Mulligan and on and on and on all these great assistant coaches, Jacob Spiegel, who helped, you know, mm-hmm. keep this thing just moving. I think the other thing that people don't look at, and you know, kind of the running joke at times is like, you know, the kids in first grade yes. who's playing in first grade. Yeah. But I think when you start going to the youth level and you start seeing the coaches at the youth level and you start seeing the town teams and you yes. start seeing former players coaching, you know, the five and six year olds, which most people wouldn't think that's a big deal. But when you're instilling in the kids, even, even at a very basic level, just the, in the level of just even working hard and challenging mm-hmm. each other and, you know, little things that they're going to be able to take with them and grow for, you know, 10, 15 or not 15, but you know, 10 years later when they step onto your team, and I think that your ability to connect with the youth children, especially yeah. now as a teacher, yeah, it's like, oh, that's Mr. McCall. But then, as that as that progresses, and then they get to to be teenagers, and teenagers, you can push on harder than you mm-hmm. can on you know five, six, seven year old who just want to give you a high five in the hallway. But you have both those dynamics. But you also, like I said, I think the kids get interested. Like, oh, he's a he's soccer coach. And then I, I'm sure you've had this mm-hmm. at the end of a game. You have like a you know a young student run up to you. You just want a big game, but they're like, yeah. you just want to give you a high five because you're the guy you see, you see in the hallway. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it's part of it. I'll tell you one quick story though that did humble me one day. So it was a year that um, you know I think we ended up winning the state championship, and um, I was principal at the time and I walked into this first grade classroom and this uh, little girl comes up to me and said, Mr. McAuliffe, Mr. McAuliffe, my dad says that we're going to the final four this weekend. I'm like, oh my God, that is great. She goes, I am so excited. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to go. We have a hotel and we're going to go to dinner and all. And if, and if, and if the team wins, then we're going to stay a second night. And so I really hope they win. So she's talked to me all about it, all excited. And I said to her, you know, so she, I said, all right, honey, you better get back to class. And so, um, she, you know, kind of waved to me and she, I was walking out of the classroom. She's walking back to her desk and she says, Mr. McAuliffe. And she points her finger up and I go, what honey? And she goes, I'll let you know how they do this weekend. (laughs) So she didn't even know that I was the coach. And so sometimes when you think you're so special and so important, it takes a first grader to realize that you're not that special. But I think, um, but I think in some ways we looked at that was how excited this little girl was in first grade to go be a part of it. And you realize then that, you know, that is something kind of special that we have and, um, it does bring people a lot of excitement and joy and it is, it is, it is nice. Um, that's, that's cool. I didn't, that's a great story. Um, the, so another, I guess, fun one is if you've been uh, 27 years, did you ever plan to coach this long? Um, yeah, okay. I did. You know, I think when I, once I got into the position, I kind of realized like, and, and, you know, loving the school as I do and loving the town and loving my job, like where else would I go? I'm a friend of mine. When I got my administrative degree, there was an opening at Beekman town and um, a bunch of teachers were in the teacher's room and um, this one teacher said, Hey, you know, do you think Rob, I heard Rob McAuliffe has his administrative degree. Do you think he would apply here? And my friend, John Chapman, who's the girls coach at Beekman town now laughed. And she said, well, what's so funny? She says, if you know, Rob, then you know, he's not going anywhere. And that's, uh, that when people 
someone like John would know that as great a school as Beekman Town is, and I'm sure there's wonderful people there, and I probably would have been very happy there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not not going. I was going to say you can't take the boy out of Shazy. No. Um, what was your most memorable win? I mean, it really is hard to not say the the O four state championship game. I just think that was just a, you know, as and I've said this to my players before. You know, every state championship after that has been amazing, but it can't replicate. You can't replicate what happened in O four and just uh, how special it was for. I don't think it'll ever be that way again. No matter how good a team I might have, or if. You know, when I do retire and someone else coaches and they win one, I just don't think it'll ever be the same. It was just, a, you know, the Shazy historian, town historian, had to put a asterisk next to November 22nd, maybe, uh, 04. Um, I, I would answer the same way, and I, was, I wasn't playing. Like, I was watching. Huh. I was lucky enough to see it live, but that was, uh, it just vividly sticks out in my head. Yeah, um, my daughter was born almost one year to the day. I think it was one year and one day later. Yes, because yeah, because she was five. She was born right after the 05. yeah. So my poor wife in 05 had to um, sit in the car ten days overdue next to the field in Oneonta, and I would send my assistant coaches to the car to make sure she was okay periodically throughout the game, and then yeah, we I I uh, I, I, yeah. Well, I ran into her. Um, I ran into Kristen not too long ago, and I asked her. It was funny. This was the first year. You were in the boys. Yeah. And she was traveling to see Ava play yeah. in the girls. And I, and the funny thing is, I don't think there's probably not a lot of sports where that happens, mm-hmm. where, you know, she's torn between two teams. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure she would, if she could pick a place to be two places at once, yeah. or you too, to, you know, obviously watch yeah, your daughter. But uh, I just, I remember her saying that. And I, I paused for it. This was, I mean, you know, well, a few months ago. And I was like, or a couple months ago, I was like, I'm like that that's actually pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, Part of it too is yeah. that I feel like it ages. I'm sure you feel it, but it ages myself too. Remembering Ava as a little kid, and now she, here she is playing in the varsity team in the Final Four. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you keep up with um, changes to the game of soccer? Just the way it's evolved from when you started, and I think that um, Shazy. If most people would look, I think that the style of soccer is kind of caught up to what Shazy does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Shazy was definitely known for possession and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we still are, but. Um, how has the game changed or how do you, I guess not even how it's changed, but how have you really tried to stay up on the game between, you know, 96 to, to now? Yeah, I still read a lot. You know, I, st- I still, uh, you know, of course, watch huge amounts of soccer on television. But I think I have to read a lot, you know. Uh, and now I find more as I've gotten older. Um, yes, it still is that the tactical part, the practice preparation, you know, drills, games you do in practice, those type of things. But I think as I've gotten older, I've I talked to more coaches that I respect and we talk more about, you know, relationships with players and, you know, those things more so than I have. I think when I first started coaching, it was almost all, you know, nuts and bolts. You X know, and O's. And- X and O's, X and O's, X and O's. And now I think it's more about, you know, people. How do you, how do you motivate people? How do you, you know, how do you do things for the community? How do you, how can you make your program a better program, not just by X's and O's? Um, but I do still read a lot, and you know I love reading about, you know, coaching. How um, how hard? This kind of piggybacks of a question I asked before, but how hard is it to keep the bar as high as it is each year? I mean, yeah, just I don't. I, it, you would think it would be harder. I think it is a weight that 
I think we all have had on our shoulders at some point, you as a player, you as an assistant coach with me, that it is hard sometimes. I would not lie and say that, you know, going into a season where anything but a state championship is is somewhat disappointing, that is hard. And I think for kids, it can be a weight too. But I think if I asked, you know, Luke Mosier and Peter Labarge, if they were sitting here next to me today, they would, in Reagan Dudek, they would say the same thing. That's all we want, though. That's what we want the bar to be. And I think it's okay to set high expectations. I think you just can't let it be that if it's they're not achieved, that it's the world is over. You know. It, yeah, it doesn't define you. And that's it's right. Such an early so, part in your life. I think, that's right. But I think that's something that you know was hard even as a kid. Like you think your whole world is revolved around it, mm-hmm. and then when you start looking at like I absolutely love my time playing sure. soccer. But you know, one of the things you know we. Now it's, I probably would ask you about soccer. I would probably ask about your kids. Now I have the kids. And you know, you start, your perspectives in life change. And- yeah, I think the, one of the things we've, I've learned over the years is that when a 17-year-old says this was the, one of the hardest days of their lives, mm-hmm. it probably was. Yeah. You know, when my team lost this year in the state finals that, you know, yeah. people say, well, you, you can't be that way. Well, if you've only been on the earth for 17 years, mm-hmm. this may be the, one of the worst days you've had. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard for an adult to say to a 17-year-old, oh, don't take it so seriously or... It's not that bad. Well, when they're 51 years old, like myself, then they'll know that there's bigger things in life. And, you know, and I, and I, and I don't think it's wrong to set high expectations on children. And, and, um, but it's, you just have to balance, as I said, with it's not the I end mean, of the world. I mean, I'd, I'd be lying when I'm, you know, watching the game this year and you losing the finals and I'm yeah. not like mopey the rest of the day. And they're not yeah. like in a bad yeah. way, but like enough where, you know, Gina will give me a shot or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's hard. you know, yeah. you're still rooting for the yeah. kids, you know? And, um, let me see on, on some of them. Um, where did the superstitions come from? Do you still oh, have them as God. bad as what I remember? No, I, mean, I the have, short, I, the yes. shorts is the one thing, but yeah, the shorts thing was not cause I, I'm immune to the cold. I just was, it started off early in my career where we had a really, really cold game. And I kind of said, you know, is it really fair that the kids have to go out in this cold weather? I'm going to get all bundled up. And then we played really well that day. And then, well, I can't change that now. And so I have missed, if Mr. Nor- Brian Norcross was here, he'd say I've gotten better. Uh, yeah. The superstitions used to be, you know, 2000 to 2003 was probably the worst where I was just maybe, maybe more than that. Um, but I've gotten better. I've tried to cut some of those superstitions out of my life. Like there, there's some that we just watch and just yes. let him do his let thing. Do his thing yeah, yeah. Just don't, don't call him out. Yeah. Um, is again, some, I'm going to go through some of the easy ones, but any sure. season that sticks out to you, one of the ones that most probably Oh four. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think little like things like uh, the O two team was a team that never should have uh, done anything and did really well. Yeah. I think the two thousand thirteen team that you know, geez, what, what were they doing winning a state championship? That didn't make any sense. I even think O nine too. And I was about to say that, and O nine was another one. Like if you look at that roster, you're saying, what? How did we? Especially all the in- that was my first year yes. coaching with you, and we had every, lots of I remember you kept calling me one time before we went and played E town. Like, yes. We have five starters out. Like yes, Tyler Bowers just passed out in gym class. I'm yes. Like, what? And it was yeah. the oddest thing, but we showed Yeah, we were hit spot. with lots of injuries and just could not, you know, it seemed like it was one injury after another, and then somehow we did it, yeah. Um, this is actually, I think, a good one. I don't know if you ever thought, but have you ever thought of an all, I call it an all McCullough team? <laughs> yes. So a starting People ask me that one. That's a, that's I don't a, want to leave any guys out, yes. but it's like, have you ever, you don't even have to announce it, but do you think you have a, a starting 11? I, I, 
you know, I think it's one of those ones where if you said, you know, is it is a starting 11 by I'm trying to pick a team to win or is it that I'm picking my best 11 players regardless of position? I, I think it is a really difficult one. I, I would almost have to sit like lock us in a room like this and say you can't come out and, and you know, you got three hours to go through a list of your rosters and then come up with the, the top 11. Um, you know, I, I, there's some obvious ones in there. Uh, of kids who are just you know great great players um but yeah believe me i've had people ask me that all the time that's probably the question i get the most because i always i mean out of anybody you're the only one that can truthfully answer it because i've always i've thought about it but i said to be fair like my you know and i'm looking at guys from 96 when i was elementary till now like my perspective is way different so I mean, I have some guys that I would think of, but I'm like, God, but this guy like five years later was yes. good. And, and, you yeah, know, and it, it exactly. really becomes touchy. And if you go by positions, that gets even more difficult. Yeah, because, um, you know, like, you know, like what you mentioned, Riley Hanson. Riley Hanson was a very, very good forward, you know. Yeah. But, you know, are you going to put him up against Nolan Ryan and Stetson and, you know, Seymour, Seymour and all those and, guys? Yeah, and, it's, and then you start going through the goalies. And I'm like, oh, yes. my God, you know, and it, it, it's tough. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you a pass on that one, but I, I figured that you would. Yeah, have. it's. And, you know, the other thing that people have talked to me about a lot, and it's maybe something I'll do in retirement, is we've taught a lot of people have asked me about, like, some sort of Hall of Fame. You yeah. know, if we could do something someday. Yeah, never done that, right? No, and, it, you know, for a school that's had so much success, you know, in boys and girls soccer, you know, uh, and, you know, periodically in, in baseball and um, in basketball, too, that, you know some point we probably should look at doing something like that i think so it'd be cool to see who who gets back in there yeah. and, and there's guys too like i mean i i, I it's kind of weird like i'll talk to kids now and i'm like you don't know who you know i'll name some of those guys are and like yeah. no but yeah one of your buddies be, kyle lafound that was a great player that would probably not be talked about in the first in the top 10 which yeah. if you ask me i'm like that's crazy kyle. but yeah. i i get it and i mean i'll say the same thing like uh chris gondek i oh yeah. honestly couldn't pick Chris out of a lineup. I've never met the guy. But yeah. you always talk highly of him. I know he's a great player. I mean, he was, you know, um, he might have been Suniac Player of the Year uh, when he played at Patrick State. Yeah. And, so, and, I mean, that's the same a lot. And he had, I think, the scoring record until Nolan yeah. broke it at Shazie. Yeah, Z, he least. had uh, Division One offers, you know. But it, it, that's a guy that, like, just, bef- you know, you know, 10 years before, just a, just a generation ahead of Tim me. Tim Martin right before, Sam. you know, a great player. Well, my, my Tim Martin story, because I remember everybody – Tim Martin's like, he's almost to the point. Um, I feel like he's um, not a tall. He's like, a, what's the word? It's like a, you know, a story. But he's yeah, like Paul Bunyan. Was that called? Yeah, Paul like a Paul Bunyan, Bunyan you know, a fable yeah, or something. Yeah. And I just I always remember these Tim Martin stories. And everybody seems like they have a Tim Martin story. Oh yeah. But I'll tell you my my only Tim Martin story that I know real well was we were playing in the alumni soccer game. Now Tim at the time is probably Tim's got to be what in his late forties now. Yeah. So Tim might have been like around 40 at the time. Yeah, so he's ball. like 45, 46 right now. So maybe he was a little younger, maybe late 30s. Ball gets yeah. served up in an alumni soccer game. I'm Luckily, I was playing defense, but away from him. He runs up and does a diving header. He's probably just inside the box. So he's, mm-hmm. he's 16, 17 yards out. Diving header straight off his head, a line right over the net. Just cleared the crossbar. And up between a bunch of guys. And I just remember looking at him and I'm like, this is the alumni soccer game. Yeah. Tim just went all out. Yeah, he's, and, he doesn't know anything else. He has and, no idea. Either. And it was so funny because everything that you taught, and I think I was coaching with you at the time, like everything that you had ever told me about Tim Martin yeah. in that one play, I was like, Rob was not lying. Yeah, that's, yeah. Played played at Oneonta with him. Yeah, he was a and, freshman. I was a senior at Oneonta. Um, that's a guy I would love to see his highlight reels back in the yeah, day because I didn't get to see him. But a beast. I, um, that's awesome. The uh, um, 
couple, just again, for time, I want to, um, you can answer these kind of rapid qu- questions sure. too. So what's your leadership philosophy or coaching philosophy? Kind of how do they tie together? Do you mm-hmm. have, do you have a philosophy? Do you think it just comes natural? Is there something you're trying to, when you go in each year, are you mm-hmm. trying to establish something or do you just kind of, you're not, I don't know. You just not really. You just kind of do your thing, and it works. Or I think it's a little different between the two jobs I have. You know, as a principal, I do a lot of listening. I think I do listen to people pretty well. Um, I know that there's people who know more than I do, so I listen to people a lot. And I think, um, you know, I think you have to be willing to make hard decisions too. And I think I've done that coaching too. I think you know, there's been times where I've had to, you know. I think at one time specifically where I had to move someone from starting, which was tough, but I had to do it because it was what, what was best for the team. And I think um, as a principal, I always look at, I have to make tough decisions as long as I know that these are always in the best interest of the school and the best interest of the kids. When I coach, I kind of look at it the same way. I have to make tough decisions, but they got to be what is best for the team, best for our goals that we have. Um, you know, but when I make those decisions, I certainly have listened to a lot of people. I've certainly have talked about it uh, and analyzed what I think is best. Um, but I think if you're going to be a good leader, you got to be willing to listen to other people's points of view and you got to be willing to make tough decisions. Um, I always say this, like, I'm paid to make the tough ones, not the easy ones. There's parts of my job I find every day. And as a principal, like, that's easy. What I'm doing here is easy, you know. Um, you know, introducing the second grade before their play. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do that. But sometimes the decisions that affect people that are what I'm really paid to do. And same thing with coaching. I think you got to make tough decisions. How, um, I guess, how do you manage all that? Because like I said, between the seasons, highs and lows, you know, the stresses, mm-hmm. you know, is there, do you think you're good at that? Have you evolved at that? Or I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm good at it because I do think that sometimes uh, in the season it is hard on me um, emotionally, physically, even, um, I always joke how I work out all the time between, you know, you know, end of November and early August, and then I'm horrible. And I think it is difficult. I I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stress that goes along with coaching and, you know, and, and I think if you're, someone says, well, it doesn't need to be, you're right. It doesn't. Um, but I think if you want to be successful and you, and it means a lot to you and more importantly for me is that, as I said to you about that 96 loss, that, that does drive me. And I, you know, I think I, I work hard at it to make sure that those children that I care about have good experiences. And, and, um, so it is, yeah, it is stressful, I think. And, um, you know, I think it's also a stressful when everyone kind of expects you to do well. Um, I don't think I had as much, much stress on me in 96, 97, 98, because it was kind of like all new. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the expectations are really high and the kids feel that and the community feels it. And so, um, I could do a better job ma- managing stress than I do. I think, do, do you, are you able to separate, especially during the season, are you able to get away from stuff? I mean, we, we see you like on the field, we see it, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you have, you know, as, as crazy as people might think you have a life off of the soccer yeah. field, you know, and, and yeah. are you able to. You know, whether it's family, whether it's a hobby, whether it's just downtime that you're able to just kind of recharge or. Um, I, I did when my kids were younger, believe it or not. Um, I think now, like, you know, so when I have a free, when we don't have a game, guess who does? Yeah. Ava, my daughter Ava has a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe my son Jack, who played JV this year, he does. And so, like, 
It's yeah, you're in it more. Yeah, but listen, I'm not wishing those days away. Yeah, you know, and uh, those days will come to you, and you'll cherish them, and you don't wish them away. But yeah, sometimes it's 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 exhausting, and by the time the you know final four comes, I am really then you know really spent. Yeah, I was gonna say the, the next few uh, few months are nice. Um, yeah. The I was gonna ask how you manage your time, but I'm assuming you have a schedule for that or you're pretty good? I'm pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm at school, you know, pretty much someone who has a schedule and try to follow things. But yeah, I think, you know, I've tried to talk about, you know, finding more time during the season for myself. You know, I need to work out more than I do during the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, as they say, it's like the times you need to work out the most, you don't, you know, when mm-hmm. you, you know, when you need to go run a couple miles to help de-stress, you don't, you know, and, uh, I need to do better with that. Um, what is your, um, let me see, actually, I, so, some of these I, I feel like you've already kind of th- talked mm-hmm. over. So um, I, I guess this is one one of the things that you do for, that I always got out of like your speeches, your your pregame speeches, um, your public speaking, mm-hmm. your, you know, now granted you're in front of students all the time. I feel like you do have, you know, you've practiced speech speeches a lot, you know, we're talking in front of a crowd. Um, and you mentioned obviously, you know, getting that from your dad and everything, but is, you know, have you, is that inherently something that you picked up? Do you practice your speeches? You have a, I mean, your delivery, your storytelling, your engaging, like, is yeah, that, thanks. Uh, but I think that comes like if you're doing a speech, I'm sure before the second grade play, or yeah. you're doing a, you know, a speech on the bus before the yeah. state championship game. Like, how do you, are you aware of what you're doing? Do you practice speeches or, I, you or know, I think I, if, you know, if I have to give a speech, uh, I gave one at the Woodman of the world for George Brownler this summer. And yeah, you got to kind of, you know, prepare that one and, and practice it a little bit. When I talk to the players, it's usually kind of off the cuff or sometimes I'll have something a little bit in my head of what I want to, the, the message I want. I find that if things really matter to you, you can, you know, and they mean a lot to you, you can kind of, I find I can really kind of dig deep into myself and find the right words um, to, to, to kind of get my point across to, to people. And I think, you know, when I have to give a speech at a banquet or something like that, I, I, you know, I do practice some of those ones. But like I said, when you're talking about something that you mean, it means a lot to you, mm-hmm. it's not hard to talk passionately. Yeah. Um, it's not hard to go find, you know, something, you know, that has emotion to it, you know. And I think, I think it means so much to me that also that throughout a season I can find the great moments that are in, in my brain, I can go and retrieve those pretty easily because it means a lot to me. And so each moment of the season, whether it's a, a Tuesday practice or a Saturday night game or whatever, I can find those moments uh, when they mean so much to you. You were always good about when you had, like, especially state championship, and you talk about every kid, you mm-hmm. have a story about every kid. And yeah. I think most people wouldn't, even the players that are like, well, they didn't, they, you know, they were didn't play much and they were on the team, and you would still find some story about them that I, like, I think it's, like you said, you're that, because some people, like, I don't think would even, you know, their head's so high, but I, I do feel like you you stay very grounded, but you also stay kind of like in that dirt of like, Hey, yeah. well, I'm grinding this out with you guys every single day, but I see all the little yeah. things you notice it. What are those are the small details? Yeah. I, I love my players. So when you do care about people, you know, I, when I say that, I often have to tell people like my love for my wife and my kids is different, mm-hmm. obviously, but I really do love every player I ever had. And you know, when you do care about someone, it's not hard to find the, the good moments of them or the things that they've done that's special to you. Well, I was going to talk about like the culture and the buy-in from the players and stuff, but I think that that a mixture of the alumni 
because you talk very you're very open about talking about the alumni and talking yeah. about the players and obviously you being one and but you know those guys and, and gals are on the sideline they're your uncles your dads yeah. your, your grandfathers and then I think that really resonates your older brother especially or older cousins and I think that resonates but then I also think like you said if if any kid had to question like hey did you know just coach McAuliffe you know like you said love you care for you like yeah. There's not one kid that would say no. And I, and I think that's, yeah. and I don't know if that's something that, that took years, but it, even when coaching with you, it's like, you just knew, and you kind of felt, and I even felt when I was coaching with you, whether we go to the final four or whatever, it's almost like you had a parenting instinct over these boys that at the time for me, wasn't very, you know, mm-hmm. much of an age gap, but even you at 24, 25, mm-hmm. you know, starting, I think you, you see these guys every single year, but they're also like young kids, you know, when you're going to the banquet and he's, you, you know, I'm looking at him right now, but like yeah. a Hayden King going yeah. to, you know, the thing. And he's like this little guy, you know, yeah. Hayden's great, but you know, you almost kind of feel like a parent to these guys when, yeah. they're, when they're, you know, not with their parents and, you know, they're left to, um, especially you being the head coach. But, um, I, I just feel like there's a bond that, and maybe it's cause we both played there. And I think, you know, you kind of get that too, where you just love the love of the school gives you a connection and you want it as bad as they want it and vice versa. I've learned so even more so in the last, you know, 10 years that the the players now need to feel like you do care about them. And and I I obviously do. It's not fabricated. It's not just made up, but I think more so now players need to know that it's kind of um, without strings attached when when they do fail, that you're still there for them, Mm -hmm. that you do care about them, that it's not just a production relationship that you produce for me then i'm happy um it has to be i have to show my care for them when they're not playing well uh, or they didn't do what i ask i can still be critical and hard but they need to know that um you know my care for them is is not wavering uh, because they've failed I think that even goes in my job. I, you know, I have great teachers that I, you know, work with every single day. And on occasion, some of them might screw up. Um, but they make thousands of choices every single day on how to handle kids. And so they might screw up one day. But they need to know that I still care for them and, and are with them and by them, not just, you know. And have I, confidence I, in them. Yeah, and... I turn my back on them when they fail. Yeah. yeah. Um, what uh, What's your thought on the amount of coaches that are currently coaching or have coached at some level that I think some people would be surprised if you found out how many coaches locally were ex-JZ players. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I kind of, Tim Mulligan's obviously a big one. He's been Mm -hmm. around, but um, who else can you remember that was? Well, Damian Nevada coached a long time. He just gave up coaching NAC, did a great job there. He's his, his little guy is getting older now, wants to be with him. Um, You know, Matt Devins coached Mm -hmm. at Peru for a long time. Um, Jason you know, Fenner did what? Jason Fenner coached at Seton? at Seton Catholic for a while. Geez, I'm missing um, some. Well, there's some on the girls' side too. I'm trying to. Th- there, there was a, at one point there was. I remember. Yeah. I remember there being like I don't even. I'm trying to think of the names now, but there were so many coaches that had ties to Shay Z. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that something that you look at? I mean, obviously you coached against Damian for many yeah. years, and yeah. you know I. It's, uh, you know, you when you see like NFL teams and they go and they shake hands and like the, that was his assistant coach yeah. for years yeah. you see it. But, um, I mean, that must be, feel pretty good. It, right? is, that, it is, you know, they're, they're all great, you know, great people. Tim Mulligan, I can't say enough, you know, he was my first assistant and, mm-hmm. but just they're great coaches and, um, you know, um, just proud of who they all are, you know, geez, what great people, you know, and I, and I, if I could have found ways to have them become Shazy, you know, work in Shazy, I would have done it. Um, 
And uh, okay, let me see. What... And Matt Devins is back in Shazy, and he, he is, is coaching and, uh, Mod Girls' his wife, Carissa yes. too. I yes, heard. and Carissa. Yeah. Um, which I actually I heard of Matt before Carissa, and I remember Carissa telling me that, and I was really excited. Well, we were all excited for Carissa. Matt was just an afterthought, well, I mean, obviously. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, Carissa brought him in, but that's. Um, <laughs> um, how has Section Seven? changed from the Mm -hmm. sport from when you started coaching because obviously i think now section seven is very well respected at the state level um but yeah kind of speak to that yeah so you know uh when i first started coaching no teams um you know we no one won the first day playoff game just Mm -hmm. everyone lost and that was that was their season now clearly we have teams going to the final four from section seven almost every year really Mm -hmm. not just us multiple teams like Placid has been a bunch of times, Plattsburgh, Beekmantown, Northeastern have all been over the years. Um, you know, North e- E-Town, E-Town Westport at the time in mm-hmm. that one year, they almost, they lost in the finals. Yep. Um, I think what we've seen is um, every team has good players on it right now across the section. Mm-hmm. So years ago and like go back to my first year in 96, um, you'd have a team with, you know, some good players, but nothing special, a bunch of athletes running around. Now, in which every school has kids that are, they are soccer players. That's their sport. And that really wasn't the case many, many years ago. So every team you play, you've got two or three kids out there. Like those those kids are good. It's about whether you can fill the, fill the other, you know, eight spots, what have you. And that's what makes a difference. So we now know that every team we play pretty much has a player or two who can burn you. And so I think that's what's changed over the years. Well, I think the uh, the parity within the league isn't as, as mm-hmm. g- much of a gap. You know, like we, we mentioned Crown Point, Scroon Lake, and we played them back in the day. It's like you knew they were yeah. getting railroaded, but then you look now. Um, the was the NSL like? Yeah, like that the, was a big change too in 2011 when we moved. You know, we we made a proposal to you know kind of disband the CVAC and MVAC because there was such a disparity, not just you know not just with us. I mean, there was schools in the CVAC who were yeah. beating schools in the CVAC by 12 goals in a day. And so now I think we've, you know, since 2011, it has brought about more parity. And so even the teams in division three are much smaller schools, you know, they can go win a, a league championship and, you know, and that's great. Yeah. And, and then, um, it, but that speaks to too, how much hard, like I, I kind of look at the stats, you know, when you, you see the, the boys going into the, you know, the States and like how many goals for and against, yeah. There's definitely, you know, you have to make asterisks against that because yeah. you're not putting in eight goals against Crown Point yeah, or something. Not. So, um, uh, let me see. Um, these ones might be a little bit jumbled in before. Okay. So, what's the greatest thing that you've learned since you started coaching? Hmm. Wow. Um, You know, one little thing, I, I I can't, I'd have to start to think more, but I think one thing that George Brenler told me right before my first year, he said, don't give up on a kid. And I, what he was trying to say was that you don't know what kids are going to develop like, you don't know what they may turn into. And I've learned to really embrace every kid on my team, not just because I think they, someone might produce, become a big goal scorer, but embrace everyone on my team and what I never realized was that one kid on your team who arguably might be the worst player on your team how valuable he might be to your team as a whole maybe not in the 80 minutes of play but the value he brings to your team 
maybe he's the funniest guy on your team. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's the best teammate. Maybe he is just someone that everyone loves being around. And so I've learned over the years that, you know, every player on your team, one, some might kid who might be seemingly unathletic at age, you know, 14 by 16 might be this great athlete, but also the value you can get from every child on your team, Uh, maybe not in goals or in saves or assists, but the value you can get from each person. So very often I look at some kid who's never played before and he says, I don't know, uh, Mr. McAuliffe, I'm thinking about playing. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go. Come play. And I like having those kids, you know, and some people say, well, it must be difficult trying to get them all in sometimes. Yes, it is. But a lot of those kids are real, bring a lot to our team that people don't see. And some of those kids too, you know, they, they don't expect to get in. Not, yeah. not in a bad way, yeah, but I mean, I a saying. lot of them are just happy to be on the team. Yes, and you're I right. Think, you and know, I'm not going to say names, but I, I can tell you so many of them that were like, yeah. you know, I'm good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And I, and I know what you're talking about because you're going the, you know, it's a long season. What it people, is. What people it don't is. like, they look at the games and I'm like those practices, you know, in late September when you're like midway through the season or even when it's cold out or yeah. your second, second week of preseason. Yeah. Um, just that grind and have like the guy who's just a jokester or have the yes. guy that, I mean, we, we all know who these guys are and, you know, yeah. we're playing with some and coaching with some or coaching them. And, um, but yeah, no, I agree that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some guys that come to my mind, just make me laugh, but like, that's yeah. the reason they're on the team. And like, they just give yeah. me that little, little relief. Um, what are you, um, what has been the greatest challenge in 27 years? I think the hardest time I've ever had coaching was of course during COVID in 2020. Um, you know, I, you know, not going to try to take credit for it, but fought very hard for some semblance of a season for boys and girls to happen in the North country. And Mm -hmm. I think I made some friends who were really appreciative of what I tried to do. And I think I made some people who weren't happy and not that I, I mean, I, that stuff doesn't bother me, but that was really hard. That was a really difficult time. Um, seeing kids come to practice and know you're not winning a state championship and know you're yeah. not going to win a sectional championship. You're just playing games to play games. And, and that, that was the hardest time coaching, you know, trying to um, juggle COVID, uh, coven, you know, juggle the fear of what COVID could bring, mm-hmm. um, not to mention my job at the time of principal, and um, seeing kids sad, they couldn't get the experience that they would like. You know, parent, no one, no one showing up to games. Each each child had one or two people come. No one came. Um, you know, yeah. just a sad, sad time. And uh, that was by far the most difficult season I've ever had. Yeah, I couldn't imagine, especially a senior or something. Yeah, just devastating. Yeah. Um, what are you most proud of so far? Um. I don't know. Um, I think I'm just, I think if I had to say what, I guess one thing was, is how I think how I helped give people a lot of joy and a lot of great memories. And I think that's the, the greatest thing I can, all I really wanted to do in all this all along is to give kids, like I talked about the 96 moment, like make kids happy make them give them experiences and give them great times that you know you and your friends can sit around have a beer one day and talk about this great game and that great game and and they happen that i yeah yeah yeah. and i think i think if i can walk away saying that i 
helped make those moments happen, not just for those players, but for the community and families and parents. Um, yeah, that's, I think, certainly will be kind of my greatest accomplishment. Um, are there anything that, so, I mean, so far, is there anything that you regret that you've done or any like decisions that you regret making? I think, you know, I think not, I, I always look back at decisions I make and it's not too many I regret, but I think, you know, I always say I, I, um, I coached James Mosier and I coached Luke Mosier. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. And so James was on my first team in 96 and I always want to apologize to the 96, 97, 98 players because I wasn't as good a coach as I think I am now, you know, and I feel like I always joking and I say to Christy Moser who teaches in Shazy that James must be home and saying, I don't know why people think this guy is such a good coach. I don't know what, I don't know what all this excitement's about, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, I wish I could have been better coach to those younger teams, but I was a kid myself yeah. and just learning the game and. I look back at some of the stuff I, and not in bad ways, like yeah. horrible things I did, but more of just, I wish I could be better, better for them. Better quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last, uh, last two questions sure. and I'll read your stats and we'll get out. Cause I know we're going past on time, much past on time here. So, um, what is it like now seeing both your kids playing JV and varsity? The reason I ask is because, and I think this has to go possibly with you being softer or whatever, but I remember, yeah. you know, you prior to kids, you know, being, you know, kind of late twenties, early thirties. <laughs> um, I just remember some of the moments yes. with you yes. either watching or being on the team. One of the scariest moments of my life was halftime yes. of 2006. I'd even play E-Town home game. Yes. That was probably my, one of my highlights of, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, I will not get into verbatim, you know, the quotes that you might've said, but, yes. um, Long story short, I think we won four one that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you you had kids. Ava was born after the second cha- mm-hmm. state championship. Jack a few years later. You know, I, I was telling you, it's weird to see Ava's name in the paper because yeah. I I don't you know I'm, I'm removed a little bit more than I was back in the day. So to see that, I'm like, I can't believe she's that old. And then you're like, well, yeah. what's Jack now? He must be like fourth fifth grade. You're like, no, no, Jack's like going to be in high school. Yeah, like, he's what? eighth grade right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what? I guess what's the um, I think that always kind of came up was like, I wonder what would happen when, you know, your kids get up to that age, like either yeah. watching them or coaching them, but also just, you know, have you coached Jack yet at any point? So a couple things there. So one, I want to make it clear to all former players that my players currently still get uh, the hairdryer treatment, if <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, they will, they, believe me, they still get it. Um uh, and they have. So there's a Seymour uh, on some teams. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Labarge. Ask him how things are going. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, um, so those things still do occur. Believe me, when deserved. Um, I I think you know with uh, I coached Ava uh, quite a bit in like indoor and like club soccer. Uh, Jack, kind of the same thing. Um, I think what's you know, and I love watching my kids play and love being around them. I do find it funny. So my daughter. Ava now and she's did really well you know so far in, in her career in soccer and, but her f- favorite sport really is track and so she runs track and then my son loves soccer loves it but he really loves baseball and I said what are the odds that the only two kids in Shazy that you could argue their favorite sports are not soccer are my two kids and Jack's been baseball forever he loves baseball I mean he remember. really loves soccer too but yeah baseball uh, that's, that was kind of his first love and kind of yours too, right? Gannon, I think it was. It, when I was a kid, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and um, and so Ava's really had some a lot of success in track, and and she loves loves that. We're away every weekend to some track meet across the Northeast, and um, so um, I think it's I think uh, having my two children has helped me understand sometimes the the complexity of being a parent. You know, where sometimes when I was younger, I might have been very rigid in what I expect a child to do. Uh, you know, showing up on time, what have you. And as you get older and you have children and you realize that sometimes that's, you know, not the parents fault necessarily, but there's a lot of things involved in being a parent. And so sometimes the kids can't get to practice. I mean, believe me, they still suffer from being late to practice, but But a little more grace. Yeah. You understand. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Last question for you. Um, I'm not going to ask when you're going to retire because I just think that's never going to happen. So, (laughs) so anybody that's looking for that answer, I'm not going to say, my, what, uh, I guess, what legacy do you hope to leave? Because I, I think, um, you know, you, you look at someone like George Brendler, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a field named after him, first member of the New York State Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, you know, arguably, you know, I think what was the book, The House That Brendler Built, yeah. you know, and I think that you have all these things around, you know, Mr. Brendler. And, you know, and I think he was the pioneer of Shazy soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if we start looking at, you know, stats and everything else, you have every stat imaginable that would be, but I think you'd be the first one to say that was built off of those yeah, successes. Absolutely. There's no way I, I know you enough that you're never going to say yeah. 96 was when Chasey soccer started. <laughs> yeah. It was when you grabbed the baton and tried to, you know, build off of it. But what legacy do you hope to leave? Um, you know, whenever that time does come, yeah. have you thought about it? Is it something that, you know, cause I, I'm assuming again, I don't want to say, yeah, no, but you know, the adage of like, you're probably on the back nine of your coaching career. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think, um, I I don't know exactly when my last year will be. I mean, you know, I think for certain I will try to stay on coaching through when Jack graduates and he's in eighth grade now. But, um, after that, I don't know. I mean, I, this is the same guy who said, told, um, Kevin Mulligan would never become a school administrator. And here I am. So I think you don't know for sure. Um, so I'm not, but I do, I will say though, that I have, that it does take more out of me than it used to years ago. Um, emotionally, you know, physically, uh, just the, the stress of it and the intensity of it, um, it does take more out of me. Um, legacy. I, I always say this, I always hope, you know, all my former players know if I had to say, just, I hope they all know how much I cared about them and still do. Um, my time with them are just something I'll never forget. They will always, you know, they'll get older, they'll have wife and kids and they may forget about their times playing or forget some of them, but I won't. And I think I just would always want my former players to know how much I do, do still do care about them. And when I do see them out, you know, different places, how special it is for me to talk to them. And and I also hope that the community knows, you know, kind of how hard I worked, you know, um, for their children, you know, and, um, and I think some people think that I have this unbelievable love for soccer and I do, but I also think I found a way, a, an, an avenue for me to give back to the community that I care about so much. And, I'm not saying maybe I would have been an amazing basketball coach or baseball coach, all those things. But clearly, like, 
it was a way for me to give something to my community that I cared about so much and to give them some joy and give them something that they were proud of. And so I do love the sport. I do. And I, and I love all that, but I think, um, yeah, I think if my legacy, I hope people look at it and say that guy gave a lot to the kids of Shay Z and that he really truly did does and did care about my son or care about me. And I think that's all I really hope for. Um, I'd love to see a Mount Rushmore of Shazy <laughs> people, and I said you're, you're making a case for it, but uh, you know we'll keep William Minor up there yeah, for sure. Right. Um, so those are all the questions I had. I do want to read some stats, and I, mm. I don't know if you know these. And again, um, Lee Barcombe compiled these, and then his actual—he's <laughs> funny at the end. He goes, oh, yeah. "So many individual player accolades. You can check out my website, <laughs> and if you need anything else, let me know." But he gave me a pretty good oh, list yeah. here. So um, I'll go back. Shazy soccer, five years. 60 goals, 25 assists, 145 points. He goes, I haven't compiled, finished compiling all the stats, but he thinks you'd be a top 10 all-time goal scorer. Yeah. So you're holding on to that one, which is oh, good. Yeah. Um, so Riley Hansen was close to beating my record, so I told him I was going to sit him the rest of the year. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> you got 61? Yeah. Um, your current coaching record, 512, 44, and 25, mm-hmm. which is 11th all-time. Um this I think is actually funny because I think I met this this guy one time. There's only two active coaches ahead of you. Do you know who they are? Oh boy, I do. Uh, you know one of them, Dan Gillespie. That's number one. And then Ray Maxwell of Geneseo, Livonia. Oh wow, um, did not know that one. He's an eighth, but Dan Dan Gillespie is number one overall. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, "Of note, Rob would need to coach ten more years <laughs> at twenty wins per season to hit Dan's yeah. current mark of seven hundred and eight. So yeah. I, I I wrote, "Do you have that in you?" But I'm guessing not, because obviously the stand. Guys... One of my players, when I got to the five hundredth win, one of my players texted me and said, "Coach, do you think you're gonna get a thousand? I'm like, "Buddy, no, no, <laughs> no." It took Coach K how many years? And he coaches thirty five <laughs> yeah. a year. So, yeah. um, you've coached twenty seven years at Shay Z, mm-hmm. nine state championships which is number one overall, which is crazy because I remember looking in those books when you go to the Final yeah, Four, all the stats, yeah. and it was like, Shazy had one or two. Yes, and you're like, oh my I God. Know. These, so far know, off. I these know. like, uh, what, you know, um, what was the team out in uh, Pittsburgh Menden yes. and Shen and all these South like, Hold was on there. South yeah. Hold, yeah. And, and for, you know, for Shazy to get that now is, is incredible. And which is also, you've won the state championship 33% of the time you play a season. Yeah. Which, which that stat, I didn't... I you know, my, my stellar math. Well, yeah. Here. Shout out to Corey. I'd Thompson, also like but... to, to know how many times our season ended by losing to the eventual state champion. That's one where, yeah, very rarely has our season ended by not losing to the team that won it all. Yeah. That'd be a good, I mean, I'm sure you could figure yeah, that out. Yeah, and, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I'm thinking now, cause I remember like the, especially those early 2000 years, like you mm-hmm. lost to the state champion yeah. every year. Yeah. Um, 19 regional championships, which means 19 final fours, mm-hmm. which again, when final fours used to be the pinnacle, now it's, you know, and if you don't take it for granted, mm-hmm. but it has mm-hmm. become the norm. Um, 22 section seven titles um, in 26 years because of COVID. Um, and then the other thing is, like we said before, 24 league titles in 27 years, which, um, you know, in two different yeah. divisions and, and mm-hmm. arguably um, whatever that percentage ends up being um, yeah. is impressive, especially when teams when you win the league in most sports, it's a big deal. It's yeah. You do it every year. Um, this is now this is school victory or school. Oh, and I skipped over this. 
you have a .902 winning percentage, which is second all-time to .907, which is from Mattituck, coach. Oh, yeah, Mattituck. Yeah, they Robert were Murr, I think? Murr, yeah. Murr. Uh, but, again, nine out of ten times you win. Um, and then number two in New York State history with 953 career wins, which is only behind Mattituck, which is 1,042, so within 100. Mm-hmm. Number three overall in school winning percentage at .821. And that's behind 0.826 and 0.824. <laughs> um, number one overall in section seven. These are, again, these are New York State records. Sure. Number one overall in sectional titles, which is 38. Number two overall in consecutive wins with no tie, which was 54 in the 04 to 06. Number two overall in least goals against in a season with three. I thought this year was going to break it, but the 05 yeah, team. Um, and then 2002. And then the 2002 team, or 2002, 2022 team. And the 2022 team also had the number one overall in consecutive scoreless minutes with 1,440, which I think might stand for a long time. Yeah, that might be for a while. Yeah, Because that was the first game in yes. the last game. Yes. Sorry. And uh, the funny thing, well, I say funny thing, but um, obviously this year, the state finals, you gave up two. And yeah. this is the thing with um, Zamir Foster. I've never met the kid, yeah. Um, and I really don't know. Like I said, I have a hard. I I know a couple of the last names of the boys on the team, and I know um, um, the McAfee boy because yes. he was he was ball boying when Brian yeah. played years ago. Yeah. Um, Dylan, and he was ball boying. But um, Zamir is like a very good keeper, and to see, yeah. but to see go a whole season with only you know obviously yeah, one great goal going kid. to the finals, great kid. Um, but the 2005 team, I I will say, I think is going to be one of the hardest ones to break. Was the goal differential was yeah. 157? There's no way, and I I just don't I don't even know. If if that's even a stat, but yeah, there's no way we're going to touch that. The, the teams, teams in the area are too good now. Yeah. You're not going to be able to touch that. I mean, this year would have been the closest and yeah. we could, you know, probably half the goals, but with obviously the competition. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to stop there. Cause yeah. I, I feel like it's almost time for you to go to school now the next morning, <laughs> but, um, I appreciate you coming on. No, and, Galen, and- I appreciate it too. And you know, I, out of all the, the, the things I did, I also want to mention, I know this sounds like, um, you know, everyone says this, but, you know, people always ask why or how, how successful, but, you know, I don't want to forget the fact that, you know, my wife is always the one who's left behind when I'm doing all these things. And my, sometimes my kids over the years didn't see me for days and days at a time. And, you know, just when they thought I would, you know, be home for a night, I'm traveling to Potsdam with you to go watch, uh, you know, some section, section 10 team play. And, you know, so those, those people have been so good. And my mom who, um, uh, has been has, has to never missed a game. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. I, so she, unbelievable. So she went to all my games, all my two brothers' games, and then just when she thought like, oh no, that my time of going to games is over. Next thing you know, I coached my brother for his last two years, and then she's been going to games since. So she's been going to games. I started playing in '85. So she's been going to games almost for every game since 1985. I don't think I've ever seen her miss, and I remember. When we played like Gene Poisson and, yeah. you know, and, and, and my grandmother Mrs. would go to Villamere. all these games. Yeah. Mrs. Villamere, Mrs. Poisson, just Mrs. Poisson, I think just passed away or no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both her and Mrs. Villamere yeah. too within yeah. the last few years. And yeah. they, but I just remember like you had, I mean, Shazy fans, you know, the Bayshard boys and, mm-hmm. you know, Coach Brendler. And yeah. um, I feel like my parents are now getting to that stage, oh, yeah. but it's like they, it's just these, these uh, yeah. community members that just don't miss the games. And it's cool to see, especially when you're, yeah. you're traveling to these faraway games and you look across the, you know, it makes a big deal when you look across the field and you see friendly faces yeah. and people you know. It's But the point I'm making, so many good people and my yeah. wife and kids and so many other great people at Shay Z, like yourself and all these great assistant coaches and people that are just so special to me. And, 
you know, as I've always said, I'd love to take credit for all the wins, but there's just so many good people who have made the program a pretty special thing for all of us. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm be a Shazy guy till I, th- I think once you, once you play for Shazy, you never, you never right. not play for Shazy or never yeah. root, root against him. So yeah. I, uh, yeah, big, big, uh, big things for you. And then obviously, um, I think you talked about the memories. Like, I, I think that's something that we still, um, you know, you see guys and you still, you know, I've had a couple ex players come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kinda, you know, I've you, listened to them. Kyle yeah. and, and, and Lewis and a yeah. few guys that, uh, you know, you just have these bonds with these guys and like when you, and you, you don't miss a beat. You pick up right where you left off and it's, you know, and mm-hmm. the jokes and the stories and everything else. But, um, yeah, I just think it's been, you know, fun ride. Um, like I said, I was lucky enough to play for you, but then be, you know, lucky enough to coach. And that was yeah. just a whole nother, uh, side of it, which I wish I could yeah. still do. Um, but yeah. you know, oh, life yeah. and kids and right. stuff, but it's, it's fun. I, I'm sure someday I'll be able to bring the kids and, and watch the games yeah. and they'll be asking about it. But, yeah. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll end there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where the journey takes you. And, and yeah, well, thank others. you Galen for having me. And yeah, it's, uh, always nice to talk to you. Yeah. All right. Well, that's episode, uh, 215 of the Galen Trombley show. We're out. Thank you for listening to The Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.